Hello everyone and welcome to We Are Finally Podcast Episode 7. I'm Rosin. I'm Zach. And uh, things have happened since we've been gone. <laughs> a few. A few. A little bit. Just not much happened actually. Not like E3 or anything. No, 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 no. Not, <laughs> not, not like the biggest gaming event that's like a thing that exists. That we're mostly not going to talk about. That we're actually, yeah, we didn't even re- think about talking about that before we did this. Nope. <laughs> it nope. just came up naturally and we're like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Dad of War. Gives yeah. a shit. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. How was your week? Uh, pretty, pretty all right. It's been, it's been good. It's been good. I uh, recently played Mirror's Edge Catalyst. That's a thing that I thought huh. I'd shoehorn into the start of this podcast because I have feelings about. What What are your feelings on Mirror's Edge Catalyst? So, have you actually played Mirror's Edge, like the, the first one? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, a few times, actually. Never to completion. I've always started it and got, like, halfway. Oh. Um, I played that game, and I'm like, okay, this... It was a really weird experience for me because for most of it, I'm like, I feel like I like this slightly less than the first Mirror's Edge, but then like the more that you play that game, the more apparent the problems become. So for those of you that don't know, Mirror's Edge is kind of like a parkour platformer uh, thing where uh, the first game was very linear. It's just like, I think it's like nine levels back to back with very light story in between and just go from point A to point B and do the thing. Uh, Catalyst, they went for more of an open world thing, and I feel like if that game... It's really weird, because I I almost want to argue that that game's open world feels more like a hub. And, like, the side missions are, like, tiny little miniature levels, but at the same time, like, the, the line nowadays between hub world and, like, shitty sandbox is very hard to describe, I guess. Um, that game would be a lot better if it was just not a sandbox game and i feel bad saying that because there are a lot of times when i was playing catalyst where just moving around in that game is fun just because of how well the parkour is integrated so like there is a few like there's about an hour or so probably of total game time where i was just going from different places and seeing if i could do things and running around and seeing if i could make some jumps and stuff like that and that was really fun and i don't regret that time but then when it's like okay you need to go here i'm gonna mark this waypoint on your map and you just have to run like halfway across the city and you're just like fuck this wasn't worth it um also too like i feel kind of bad because the first game didn't review super well um and i think part of that is because well the game was short and even though I love Mirror's Edge 1, I will say if I had bought that game for probably $60 it probably came out for, I probably would have been kind of disappointed with the value, even though the game itself is really good. Um, Catalyst is weird because I feel like they partially tried to, like... It's, like, only 15 hours long, but I feel like they, they filled it with a bunch of fluff that they didn't need, partially in response to those criticisms. And it it also didn't review very well either, and I, I feel kind of bad because a large part of it is people talking like, oh, well, this story was bad, and like I feel like it's a case where, I don't know, just because the first one's story was also pretty bad, but like, mostly it's ignorable, like you can skip most of the cutscenes. Even then, the ending is so terrible and probably one of the worst endings I've seen of any video game ever that I think that that was the final push I needed to say, yeah, this game is worse than the first one, and that really depresses me. But um, I'd say it's okay. 
I just I feel like it's a thing where if this game had come out maybe two years ago, it would have been pretty good for the time. But just open world games in particular have advanced so much that it just it's not impressive anymore. Like, There's also a billion of them. Yeah, and and it's it doesn't do anything other than hey the movement in this one's really good that really makes it stand out, and I, that's really depressing. Like they should have probably just remained with like a linear level structure um there there's like an upgrade system too which partially also seems to be um them kind of addressing criticisms of the first game where like people just had a hard time getting to play that game at like any advanced level because there's a lot of moves that you have that aren't explained very well and like even there's some stuff in that game that like i never really knew you could do until like a year after um, like when you're jumping from a high height, you can kind of do like this quick turn and then just for style points, kind of like flip the bird and like, that doesn't add anything to the game, but it's a thing you do that is just kind of a tiny little part of your moveset that I never even knew existed. Um, and just stuff like that, that I feel like they tried to address, but also too, then you have some really weird stuff where it's like unlock the ability to roll after you land. It's like, oh, that's, oh, that's... oh okay. Wasn't um, that right away in the first game? Yeah. Um, and I kind of get it because they start the cur the courses they start you out on, un unless you go out of your way to do some side stuff. Like it kind, it, I can kind of see where they're they're trying to just get you used to the movement and jumping and not worrying about safe jumps and stuff like that yet. And then they add that in later. But also too, um, and I've seen this complaint addressed elsewhere too with people where um, it feels like the levels and like the missions themselves were not made with the upgrade path in mind because there's some stuff that like it's just it feels like you can't do it yet and it's really weird that they even have like so close to kind of the starting area of the game some missions that like you end like they're basically like time trial stuff and it's like oh i'm ending with like one or two seconds every time and then later on after you get all your moves it's like oh this is actually a lot easier to do now that i have everything why did they put it that early on then and it's, it's just kind of weird, but I think it's good, and I think if you're a fan of the first game, it's definitely something worth picking up for, like, I'd say, like, 25 bucks, but, like, yeah, I was kind of disappointed. It's unfortunate. I have a question about it. Yeah? Is there any kind of online? Oh, I'm so happy. I almost forgot. Um, oh. <laughs> there is. So, actually, that's one thing. They delayed the game two weeks because, like, there's, like, some social media connectivity things that, like, they apparently, they wanted to make sure, like, there's no bugs or anything, which, like, okay, sure, whatever, but, like, it's so bad. Um, so they do this thing where there are different billboards and, like, you know, like, advertisements and stuff, like, Blade Runner style across, like, the skyscrapers, and it's like, oh, you can hack the little, the little screen, and then you're, you're, your character profile emblem will show up in your friend's game, man. Oh. And, like, it's a it's like a way of marking your territory. And that completely shattered apart for me because, like, I have, I think, one other friend that, like, I went to high school with that has the game I saw and picked it up. And, like, you know, me and him tagged, like, the billboard or whatever a few times. Oh, fireworks are going off. Happy Fourth of July, everyone. Um, but, yeah, uh... It was this thing where, like, yeah, we, we had our, like, little emblem show up in each other's games a few times. Haha, -ha, that's cute or whatever. And then I noticed, like, man, we both just have had the default one this entire time. So, like, near the end of the game, I'm like, I'm going to actually customize my profile. You can't even do that in-game. 
you have to log on to mirrorsedge.com whatever the fuck and oh and edit God. your profile it's ridiculous how shoehorned in it is uh also there's there's some stuff too where like you can and i, I never really messed with it but it's like, oh, you can create your own little time trial thing within the open world and then put down a marker. Uh, you ever play Infamous 2, actually? Uh, no. Okay. I uh, skipped that one. I played Infamous 1 and uh, Infamous... Uh, Second Son. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a thing in that game where you could create... Uh, it reminded me a lot of that, actually, where you can create levels, like little Big Planet style, kind of, or like little missions, uh, and then in the pause menu there's an option that's like do you want like player created levels to show up as waypoints randomly and then you can click yes or whatever and then you can just kind of you can just kind of go to this little red mission marker and it's like oh sephiroth lord 16's time trial do you want to play it and it's like yes no and like it's kind of out of the way and inoffensive and to be honest i just kind of turned it off because i didn't care anymore and like i played I think I played, like, two of them, and, like, they weren't very good, so I just kind of didn't. Uh, there's, like, a built-in leaderboard function thing for the missions where it's after you beat a mission, they'll show you, like, the top ten players or so in the world, which yeah. is, like, oh, that's neat for the people that, you know, speedrun stuff like that, but, no, the online is very limited. So, yeah, okay, so the reason why I asked about the online is how you mentioned the game kind of feels like it maybe would have been better two years ago. Yeah. You know how kind of, like, the more recent thing that's kind of... I feel like it's almost on the verge of replacing open worlds is, like, MMO-influenced, perpetually playable uh, online games like Destiny and The Division, things like that. Yeah. I kind of feel with Mirror's Edge setup of, like, this network of runners and this underground network of people, that kind of almost would have benefited more from that than just being a standard sandbox game. It's really weird, too, because I agree with you, but also, and this is partially, like, in one, but also, I actually, okay, so here's one thing. If I had just played one, I'd disagree with you, because part of one's aesthetic is, like, this huge sterile city, and, like, there's literally you and just a few other people, and then the rest of them are just cops tr trying to, you know, go after you. And then in Catalyst, they kind of ruin it by, like, the, the city is sterile and lifeless, and that works in one because it's linear. So it's like, oh man, this like utopia is kind of a dystopia. Hashtag edgelord youth adult novel. Um, but like in Catalyst, they did this thing where it's like, okay, we need to make the city sterile, but also an open world. And most of the time for open world games, you want those to be like living and breathing and stuff. So like they feel real. Yeah. Um, so that just completely clashes. And then you get shit where it's just like this giant sterile open city, and then randomly there's just this lady on top of a rooftop that's like, hey, can you deliver this thing for me? And it feels super weird. Oh, that sounds really... You know, I didn't even think about that, but man, the design of the Mirror's Edge City sounds awful for an open world game. It is, because... Because there's like no... La like, it, everything looks bland by default. Yeah, and that totally works for a linear game. When you're trying to make an yeah. open world that's interesting, it's just kind of boring and i will say they do they do it better than i thought they would at the start because at the start it's literally just mirror's edge one city where it's like okay this is land but then you get to like the second area i guess after some story progression happens and that one is like less like the white pristine buildings and like most of those buildings are just pure glass and that's kind of like a 
like a cool thing like the change actually is a lot more dramatic than you'd think and then the third area is kind of more like the like the upper level like rich area and is a bit more colorful and like there's more stuff going on but like you don't spend much time there at the end of the day either so whatever uh so like that's kind of neat but at the same time yeah it's like i feel like for the first game i, I would have disagreed because it's like I, I feel like the loneliness kind of adds a bit to the experience but then with catalyst it feels like the it feels like the loneliness wasn't really thought about or that that sterile feeling but yeah, they might may as well have uh, gone all out and just uh, had other players around because it just feels it feels half lifeless, and then just like random people are just hanging out on the rooftops for no reason. Yeah, I mean, even um, I mean, even they wouldn't necessarily have to like have an MMO hub as the main city, or just like a. I don't know, I just feel like maybe if they were gonna go open world, because personally I would prefer linear anyway, kind of at where I'm at right now, um, but I feel like I would have more interest in a game of like, oh, you get to create your own underground runner and do all these smuggling things against your rivals, which are the other players, as opposed to just another, like, it's Mirror's Edge 1, but with a big hub world. Yeah, um, I also think too, to some extent, like, I don't know, it feels really weird too because they have all these like safe houses and stuff and as you get closer to those it's like, oh yeah, all like the, the punk like runner kids are hanging out outside and it's like, man, if the cops wanted to like find our secret hideout they wouldn't have to look too hard. Like, <laughs> these guys just kind of like parkouring up this wall like right near the front door. Like, <laughs> and like I'm not even making that up, that's like a thing and it's like, wow, this is kind of shit at this guy's. Um, yeah, I, I feel like something like that would work a lot better. Uh, my, I guess my advice, if you do get the game for whoever's listening, don't even bother with the side stuff. Just play it like you would the first Mirror's Edge and just treat the city as like little nice intermissions where you just get to run around a bit before you go on to the next thing. I, I, I honestly don't think you should do any of the side stuff. Maybe like one or two if you're really curious, but then they're so repetitive and they get so boring after a point and i honestly wish i because I, I feel like if you just actually took out all the side stuff and you just played the main missions i'd say it's probably roughly equal to the first game uh there's a few design decisions that i don't really like um the first game has a few instances where uh it's very obvious they intended for you to fight your way out of a situation and if you're a speedrunner you can just kind of skip those but like there's two or three parts where it's like okay you need to fight your way out uh they kind of do a similar thing in catalyst where uh they kind of fix the combat system so that if you're in pursuit or like you need to get someone out of the way but keep up your momentum that works really well the problem is the one they put you in rooms with like two to three guys and it it just becomes a point of me running from wall to wall so I can jump off the wall and then do like a, a jump kick because that's the fastest way I found to deal with rooms of enemies. And it it's really weird because they kind of constrict you and like I don't I don't understand why they did that. And also too, this this is kind of a minor gripe and I think it works at the end of the day, but it's also kind of weird. Um this is more a problem with the side missions actually. There are points where they're like, okay, you need to escape the cops, like Grand Theft Auto style, like get get out of like their field of vision or whatever, and then just like lay low, and then eventually they'll stop chasing you, and then the mission ends. In a lot of those cases, if you run away from where the 
like enemies spawn from you just end up getting cornered and then you have to like run back the way you were running from so how you actually do most of those missions i found is you run towards them and then past them which once you're doing it is actually really fun because you know there's some close calls and like you have to use that those combat skills and actually build momentum by like pushing people together or jumping off their heads and that's really fun but it goes completely against what you're told which is just avoid them completely and it's really weird how that's laid out hmm. but yeah it's um it's a video game all right i don't think it's i don't think it's bad i'd say it's a solid okay yeah i look forward to picking it up when it's 20 dollars yep which uh, honestly just what you should do like <laughs> There, there's even someone I knew who was like a pretty big fan of the series. Like maybe not as big as I was. Like I like Mirror's Edge one a lot. Um, and they're like, should I get it for sixty? I'm like, play Mirror's Edge one again. I'm like, <laughs> I feel bad saying that, but like you'll probably have more fun. Um, I, I wouldn't recommend. See, because like also though too, like I do hope that we get a second one. And actually, the, okay, I'm just gonna spoil it because who gives a shit? Catalyst ends on the worst cliffhanger I've ever seen in any video game. It's oh, terrible. Yeah. It's. It's literally the two worst possible endings combined into one, and I guess I won't spoil it all together, but it's giant cliffhanger for for part two, and also, I thought this was the end, but it was just the beginning, like Matrix style. <laughs> and those are back-to-back, -back, and then credits. It's the worst. I can't believe... I was so pissed off. Like, it's just the worst ending I've ever seen. It's so bad. Oh, man. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> like I know if you just completely shit on the game, there is some good stuff in there. Like a lot of the movement stuff is better. Like they've made some general improvements. Like um, you have more customization over the runner vision from the first game where you could only turn it on or off completely. Um, they have this really neat thing that I really enjoy where in the, uh, in the first game, some people won the first time they played it or the first couple times rather, uh, there's this problem where sometimes you just don't know what to do or where to go, and there's a button that will just center your camera onto where you should be generally going. But the problem is when you're running like full speed ahead in a hallway, and then you click that, and then it just rushes you into a wall because the camera forces you to look away and your momentum carries in that direction. It just feels really weird, and like you can only really use it if you're completely stopped. Um... So what they did instead is they just have, like, if you click in the right analog stick, this little fog trail will just trace a path that you can follow towards where you need to go. And it doesn't, like, shift around the camera or anything. Um, the only problem with that I found is, like, if you're running completely the wrong direction, you won't see it. But then that's your cue, oh, I should be completely turning myself around, and then you can probably catch it from there. And then that'll disappear after a couple seconds, and then you can just click R3 again if you need it again. And it's a pretty smart way of solving the problem of where should I be headed without completely taking over control, which is nice. But, yeah. Yeah, I've played a few games that had that kind of trail feature, and it's fine. Yep. It's, uh, it's good. I just wish the rest of the game was <laughs> up to that standard. <laughs> I, I, maybe next time. I feel like if they made a third one, and even if they did make it open world, which I I don't know if I'd, I... If they announced a third one, they're like, yeah, it's open world again, I'm gonna be like, eh. But, um... I think they I, I think they could learn from their combined mistakes between one and two. And if they if they're given a third chance to just make it, I think they could do it. But I I don't think we know how Catalyst did. To be honest, that game had a lot less marketing than I thought it would. 
Because um, part of my hype for Catalyst after I played the beta was, holy shit, they gave Mirror's Edge a budget. Uh, and that game, like, it's really weird because a lot of people are like, oh, the game doesn't look very good. And, like, to some extent I agree, but, like, when you're in motion, and also, like, the skylines and a lot of the levels, like, some parts of that game just look beautiful. But, like, it's really weird. So I, I kind of feel like they kind of gave it a lot of money, but then also they're like, oh, but we're not going to market you. Which is just really weird, but... Oh, well, we'll see. Hopefully there's a third one, but... Yeah. Hmm. Other than that, uh, I watched Gundam Thunderbolt. That was good. Um, except for the part where uh, they're like, oh, yeah, the full armor Gundam. And then they abbreviate that to... um. Yeah. It's, oh no. <laughs> yeah, it's like ooh. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but um but yeah, that 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 was I'm a... glad that's the first thing I've learned about Gundam Thunderbolt cuz um, I didn't know anything else before that. No, un uh, other than that, it's really really good. It's just <laughs> oh, no, man. That, that's a very unfortunate language barrier problem that took me by surprise. Um, okay, well, I'm glad I know going in about that one now. Yeah, it's it a little like, Whoa. So other than that, how is Gundam Thunderbolt? Because I don't know anything about it. Um, it's really good. Um, I'd say it's probably one of the better side stories in Gundam, which, uh, I... I like, I watched the first episode when it came out, and then, um, I kind of started the second one, then I got sidetracked. I think I was busy at the time. It might have been around the time that, like, I had finals and stuff. I don't quite remember. Uh, but the first one I liked a lot, and I, lo I love the setup, and then I just recently got around to finishing two and then watching the third and fourth episode. It's pretty short. It's a it's a four-episode OVA thing, and I think they even said they're going to combine it into just one giant movie, which I think, honestly, I kind of wish they just made the movie to an extent. Yeah, I, I remember looking at the running times, and they're like 18 minutes each. It's like, oh, that's just a movie that they cut up. Yeah, I think they're like anywhere from like 18 to 23. It's really weird. It's it, it, I don't get why they just didn't make the movie. And to be honest, they probably made more money this way, and that's probably yeah. why. But, I mean, they, they it's not like they cut off in, like, a weird thing. Like, it's very clearly four separate chunks that have, like, a start, middle, and end. But, yeah, it's like, I feel like you could have just made, like, a four-act movie, but whatever. Uh, but, no, it's really good. Um, so, I guess the brief summary, and I'll, I'll do this for non-Gundam fans that are listening probably about to scream... <laughs> Uh, well, sorry, it's gonna last a little bit longer, but <laughs> yeah, it will. But uh, so basically, World War Two is happening in space. There's the side called Zeon, side called the Earth Federation. Uh, this is kind of a side story where um, there is uh, this ruined colony in space where uh, these Zeon space mobile suit soldiers, giant mecha snipers, are just kind of everyone who passes through, they just get sniped out of space and just blown up. And the Earth Federation's like, okay, this is a problem. This is like a key strategic point, even though it's a ruined colony. Uh, we need to send in soldiers. Uh, and then they get this prototype Gundam, which uh, is kind of my one complaint I have with a lot of this Gundam side stuff, is that uh, this takes place during the time of the original Gundam series. And in that show, they make a very significant point out of why the Gundam is very unique and very special. And like, they make a point of like it being kind of a trump card in the war. And with every side story that takes place around the same time, they always have these weird prototype Gundams that it kind of makes that original Gundam seem a lot less special. Especially... Yeah, gotta, gotta make all the toy money, though. Yeah, but then when you have, like, the Gundam and that one, which is just like, oh, yeah, uh, it has a shield, a laser sword, and a gun. And then this one has four shields, can move 
super <laughs> fast and ridiculously and has like two beam sabers and it's just like why the fuck did they not just replace this <laughs> like what's the point and i guess they do it takes place very close to the end of the original series to be fair but like at the same time it's like what was the point um yeah. like it's it's really weird and and just like to the fact that We've gotten to a point in animation quality and expectations where since the original series was animated in, like, the 70s, all of the side stories, all of the robots are moving super fast compared to the original animation. And it's like, man, like, you say these things are worse than the Gundam, but they don't move like it. And it's it's really weird that way. But, um... No, uh, basically the idea is, like, there's these Zeon snipers that took over this colony. Earth Federation wants them out. They send in this Gundam. Uh, Gundam guy takes out the snipers and uh, kills a guy who's, like, part of the sniper squad. Uh, And this other dude in the sniper squad is, like, exchanges some words with them over, like, the radio communication system. And this rivalry kind of forms. And the rest of the series is basically these two rivals just duking it out every time they encounter each other on the battlefield, which is really neat. Uh, I like that setup a lot. Uh, They finally did a thing that I've kind of been angry about forever, where um, a lot of times Gundam stuff, they very clearly try to make a point of like, oh, there's no true evil side. It's just people with different philosophies or whatever. But it's always very clear that Zeon's in the wrong. Like, they're the bad ones. Well, at least the, the people in charge of Zeon are in the wrong. Yeah, and they finally do a thing here where they're you finally get a series where there's no one on the Zeon side. and Like, it's just, like, a squad. And actually, so the the thing with the squad is they're all, like, uh, they all have, like, artificial limb, like, artificial limbs and stuff, and their name is the Living Dead Squadron, and I think that's the most anime thing. I love it. Oh, yeah, it's pretty that's, great. It sounds like a Metal Gear squadron. I know, I love it. And they, and like, they're all kind of, like, traumatized and shit, you know? It's great. Um, so it's a Metal Gear squadron. <laughs> yeah, so it is pretty much. Um, and you just have this really great thing where finally, like, there's no higher-ups on the Xeon side. It's just, like, this ragtag group of, like, basically these crippled soldiers that are like, no, send me back in. And they're all really likable. And I would argue, I actually, yeah, like, the Xeon guy is the hero of the story. And the guy who pilots the Gundam is pretty much a piece of shit. He gets kind of... You kind of start to see why he is the way he is towards the end, but even then, like, he's very clearly the villain. Um, and it's just nice to finally have that role reversal where it's like, okay, this is kind of, you're kind of finally now doing the thing that you've always set out to do in a way that I believe. And like, there's a character from the Xeon side where it's like, okay, I appreciate him. And like, then his boss isn't the villain. It's just straight up. No, the, the Earth Federation team on this one is pretty awful. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. The, the, animation quality is really good the rivalry thing works out great uh a lot of really cool stuff in there about how far will you go to get revenge sort of stuff which is generic but they handle it well Uh, a lot of really good characterization for such a short runtime uh and also too this one thing that uh, i actually really didn't like when i first heard about it but as it went on i i really loved is um the earth federation guy really loves jazz so they kind of have this thing where um the the Xeon sniper guy every time he's around like this pop music starts to play and then the the Gundam like is just kind of like 
this like free jazz will start to play and they do some really cool stuff with the battle sequences where it's just alternating between between like really generic uh jazz and pop and it works super well and at first i was like oh, i don't really like this but as it goes on it's like this is great like i would take this over most soundtracks for stuff any day uh it really works with the theming and like kind of the clash between those two styles so yeah, I recommend it fully. I think it's I don't know if I like it as much as AthMS team, but like I have a special little attachment to that one, but like I'd say it's probably the maybe the most well-written. There there's another OVA side story called War in the Pocket, which is also pretty short. Uh I think that one might be a little bit more well-written. Uh but that one's a, that one's probably the most adult Gundam thing I've ever experienced. So uh but yeah, Thunderbolt's really really good. Well, hey, man, do you want to know what my favorite Gundam spinoff is? What is it? Gundam The Origin. Oh. <laughs> so you, you watched that recently? Hey, so yesterday uh, I watched the first three episodes of Gundam The Origin. <laughs> and uh, how did uh, how'd that go? I, I watched I episode one it. and two. Oh, really? I love it. Like unironically, or do you really? Unironically, love it? I love it. Okay, um, I so, feel. No, we're gonna we're gonna have some different opinions here. Get no. Ready for some... <laughs> okay, but here's my thing because we talked about this a little beforehand. I actually thought you wouldn't like it at all. Um, yeah. I have conflicting thoughts about the origin. Um, okay. Well, so I just wanna, yeah, I just you 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 start. Okay, oh. yeah. Well, no, you can give your things first. I, just uh, I, I was I was just gonna oh. say you should start because I just went on about Thunderbolt. Now you can go on about Origin, uh. then I can respond. Um. Okay. So I've got a lot to say about Origin, but first off, um, there's only three episodes out right now. Um, there is a fourth one planned for later this year, so it's not done yet. And then they have announced that they're actually gonna continue it beyond that. Oh, um, really? Good because I wanted them to. Yeah, yeah. They they've said they're they're moving into uh, because apparently the manga actually covered like everything. Yep, and I'll, and I'll, 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 that's part of my thing with it, so I'll, ta I'll okay, tell you okay. more about that later. Okay, yeah, so, so they have announced that it's going to go on before, uh, further after, uh, part four, but it's going to keep going in the, like, chronolo chron chronological order, so it's going to move on, uh, the, still before main Gundam series stuff, though. Um, anyway. So, yeah, Gundam Origin, for those that don't know, um, tells the origin story of char um which is kind of the big kind of probably the most popular gundam character would you say oh easily um kind of the antagonist of the original series and then like a sometimes ally sometimes antagonist throughout the, the main universe stuff um starts off when he's a little kid details some stuff you knew about from the backstory of gundam um so I just want to bring up, hey, you know those Star Wars prequels? Yup, and that's exactly what I was going to lead into. Alright, so Gundam The Origin is basically the Star Wars prequels, but yeah. in my opinion, it does everything the Star Wars prequels did, but actually good. I agree with you for the most part. Um, So like, when I first was like, alright, so we got Charlie's the Kid, uh, even down to the fact that like, hey, it's a modern day prequel to a sci-fi story from the 70s. Oh shit, you're right. Set in space, and uh, we're gonna focus on uh, the political stuff that set up the original story. Oh no, we're talking about Star Wars prequels we're so much more on Star this. Wars prequels. 
we're talking, but like when I started when I started WAFP with you, I didn't oh. think we'd talk about the Star Wars prequels this much that we have. This is hey, we're running into we we made I made a jab at them last episode. We had an entire episode where we pretty much shat on them. We're we're rolling on like almost two and a half episodes worth of Star Wars prequels shitting on. Well, maybe we can add it to our repertoire of Marvel Cinematic Universe and Dark Souls. Yeah, there we go. That's our third thing. We did it. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like when they introduced uh, Charles the Kid, I was like, oh, damn it. You know, I, I really, it's going to be this lame shit where he's just like a little kid and he's whiny. He gets into Zakun's like, I'll try spinning. That's a good trick. Yeah, I was so nervous. But man, like, I don't know if I want to spoil it or not. What do you think we should do with that? Mm, I feel weird because, like, it's new, but also, too, like... It's a prequel to a story that we've known for so long. From, like, 1979, so yeah. I'd say remain vague, but... Okay, I'll remain vague. Um, So they handle his character really well, and the fact that he's kind of in the background for most of it, but it still centers around his family. And, man, I don't know, I just, the writing was really good, and then there's kind of, like, this big moment at the end of the first episode where it was like, oh, yeah, okay, he's gonna become Char. Like, yeah. He's on the path. And it's not hokey. It's not like. It's not a poster of, of Char's little kid and then the shadow is, is him in his armor. Like fucking the Phantom Menace's poster. Yeah. It's just like. There's a moment where, like, yeah, this. this I, I really like. I think a prequel, what I really like is when it reaches a point where it's like, okay, this is the moment that defines the character's life going forward. And this kind of has that. Mm-hmm. Um, really good writing. Uh, episode two. Uh, brings it forward a bit, and then they kind of go throughout his life. Uh, I won't go into too much details because I don't want to give a lot of it away. And I also know that you have some stuff you want to say about characterization. Yep. <laughs> um, so before I flip over and before we make it like a conversation, the only other thing I want to say, um, and it took me kind of a little while to notice it in the first episode, but so the way this show looks is they they kind of use the character designs of the original 70s show, but with modern animation. Yep. It looks amazing. I think it looks better than almost any other anime out there today. It's really it's good. It's such a unique look. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't... Like, so much anime kind of looks the same today. Yeah. And this is like... It, it's 70s character designs, but with modern animation. And it just... It looks visually, like, appealing and unique. And I was just so into it the whole way through. Yeah, the only thing on animation is, like... Sometimes the CG bothered me a bit. I think both, overall oh, yeah. it was pretty good, but like, I think in two more so than one, the CG was like, man, some of this weirded me out. Um, but no, yeah, I have some problems with Origin. <laughs> um, and a lot of it is, well, okay, I, I guess uh, my, because I do like Origin. It's just like I have some big gripes with it that like kind of diminish it for me a tad. Um, yeah, I, I believe you told me before, but I don't really remember, so I'm curious to hear what you have to say. So the first one I know for a fact I didn't really talk to you about. Um, I think the story of the original Gundam is more interesting to me personally if the Xeon family had less interaction with Char than the origin displays. Like, I, I, I kind of wish that... How do I put this? I, I kind of like the idea that, like, when Char was a little kid, the Zeon family fucked him over, and he's just spent all these years dwelling on it, and there wasn't much more beyond that. And then, and then I kind he... of feel like that's what they did, though, for the most part. Mm, but, like, it's weird because then in, like, 2 and then in other stuff, it's like, oh, well, then they sent assassins after him and stuff like that. And, like, part of that, I'm like, I don't... 
like i get that would probably happen but like part of it is like i like the idea of like they escape and then they're like oh they're just two dumb kids and then like he just spends years and years dwelling on it and then just does what he does in the original series yeah um so because like i i liked one more than two i i haven't seen three yet but i plan on it um and I, I would I be mistaken saying that in three he does more interaction stuff with the zombie family? Um, I, I mean I don't know how much uh you know about the plot of three, or um, not much. But... Yeah, I I don't. So he interacts with one particular member of it, but I'll say, I guess it won't be too much of a spoiler to say that when he interacts with the zombie fa- the zombie family oh no oh, no uh when he interacts with the zombie family in 3 they don't know it's him okay yeah um i guess that that is better um yeah it's just this thing where it's like i really like this idea of like the like i said the zombie family fucking him over and then like almost getting to the point where it's like they kind of just don't give a shit about him anymore and then years later, he's like, hey, fuckers, remember me? And they go, oh, shit. Like, and then they make it more of, like, an involved relationship. Which, to be fair, if you're going to do a prequel movie, is like, you might as well. Like, I, I, I think it'd be hard to do it any other way. The only other thing is that, um, and this is kind of a thing that is very weird, because this is something that I know you haven't gotten to yet. And to be fair, I haven't quite gotten to yet either is um they kind of pull in some characterization stuff that i want to say in a way kind of leads into char's counterattack which is a movie that has already been kind of divisive in the fandom regarding char's characterization and then they kind of lean to say about that when we get to yeah okay they kind of lean i do know details about char's counterattack yeah and like they kind of lean more towards some of the stuff he does in that which was already controversial so it's like yeah you're playing with fire here my my thing i guess in general and this is I don't have this problem with one so much, but with episode two, I feel like they kind of cross over from, okay, Char is, like, actually a sociopath. Like, his thing is he he can't empathize very well. But then in two, like, there's some stuff where it's, like, they kind of cross over into he's just a fucking psycho territory that kind of, I thought, was just dumb. I, I'm, I, see, I disagree with you. Okay. Um, the way I viewed it in two, and three as well because if you felt that way about two hey man there's something he does in three that's really oh (laughs) um so the way i've always viewed his character is like deep down he he's kind of has the potential to be a good guy like he clearly does care about people like particular people you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but i i felt like kind of the way you were talking about with thunderbolt his whole life has been defined by his desire for revenge and in the original Gundam series, like, it was a point that he became so obsessed with uh, his rival, which was Amaro, that he kind of almost forgot his revenge thing. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's just a point of his character where, like, he spent so long angry and wanting revenge that, like, it's kind of his default. You know what I mean? Like, his default is, like, I'm gonna do what it takes to get revenge, and he's kind of... He easily just kind of latches onto that emotion itself rather than the particular goal. Yeah. And I guess now that you say it that way, I can see that. I guess my main thing overall is, like, they make him out to seem more outwardly crazy than they do in, like, the shows. And to some extent, I get that because in this one, he's a kid. And, like, obviously, kids don't 
control their emotions as well as adults do. But yeah. but like I find Char that is like slightly crazy, but also like generally in control and suppresses his rage pretty well. But like you could still tell he's really fucking pissed off. More interesting than just outwardly, I'm gonna fucking kill you right now, and like has the loony eyes, Char. Um, yeah, you're, I I know there's one particular scene towards the end of two that you're probably talking about, right? Yeah, and it's like okay, that, that that's my that's honestly the main part where it's like that was the part where like I was fine with it kind of up until then where it's like you just made Char like super so, nuts. So. I I would kind of agree with you, but I feel like and and maybe they didn't convey this the best, but like I kind of felt like they were going for he was. He had pins up emotions over his mother. Yeah. And what just happened before that, he kind of snapped. And I feel like that's kind of a moment of, like, that's... When he snapped, that's when he decided that he needed to uh, move forward and go into other things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I kind of was okay with it in that respect, where, like, maybe he was kind of close to going into Psycho territory, but I feel like they pulled it back a little bit. And at least as far as episode three goes, he does some, like, really fucked up shit, but... uh he's he's a bit closer to the more calm manipulative char than the fucking psycho eyes char good because so. yeah like I, I guess in general too like i i find like one of the things i really like about char and this is especially in like zeta which you haven't gotten to yet is like i really enjoyed his like characterization as just like someone who lacks empathy and then like I don't know, because I guess part of it, too, is, like, we have a lot of characters in media that are just like, oh, they're crazy, you know? Between that and then some other stuff, there's, there's kind of the, just this, uh... And, I mean, th this is also, like, multiple writers and, like, teams and stuff, so that's part of it, too. Where it's like, oh, well, there are some people that view Char as just this, like, crazy guy that, like, fucking wants revenge and is gonna kill people. And then there's other people where it's like, no, he's more manipulative, and like you said, he just kind of fucks people over that are in his way. But, yeah. like, he's not outwardly display, <clears throat> excuse me, displaying that. And I kind of like that version more. I I would definitely say, I mean, also, like, man, in the original Gundam, I really felt like I didn't really pick up on the whole lacked empathy thing. Because, like, one of his major plots was kind of like a, how much he cared for one of the characters. Yeah, that's more of a Zeta thing. Okay. Well, at least in, in Origin, I felt it was at least consistent on track to where he would become in the original show. And then with the small details I know about Char's counterattack, I haven't really gotten into Zeta yet. Probably going to start it real soon, though. Um, he's kind of like, um, he, he seems to care for people still, like in the original Gundam. But he kind of, and a lot of this really comes down to, like, he doesn't talk a lot. So there's no scenes, yeah. and I kind of like this, there's no scenes where he's standing around talking about how much he hates sand. There's no scenes yeah. of him, like, I'm so pissed off at all this shit. And, like, angsting. And, and I feel it, and, like, I should be the guy. Like, there's no that. There's just a lot of scenes of him kind of, like, quietly looking at someone, and you can tell he's thinking things. And then he has a couple of really, I, I won't go into too many details, he has a couple of really, like, nice moments with someone that he will eventually later on in the series fuck over and it's like <laughs> does does he like this i like i got the impression that like he likes this person and he's kind of like not sure where he's gonna go with that but then he does some really fucked up things to someone else where it's like okay but he's still willing to do things you know to to get what he wants so i i as far as i know char i view him as someone who 
kind of could be a good person, but just the circumstances of his life led him down a different path, you know? Yeah, and Zeta definitely plays with that more. Um, where, like, I'm not going to spoil too much, but they, they do a thing very actually kind of similar to the first one where, like, it's very obvious that there are people he cares about, but then there's a point where he's like, oh, but I have a job to do, so, yeah, sorry. Yeah. And then, like, those people react pretty negatively to that. Um, <laughs> and, like, th that's, kind of, th that's kind of more where the sociopath thing comes in from, where it's like, he, he understands other people's feelings, but, like, there's a point where it's like, okay, I'm going to do my thing, though. And, uh, yeah, whatever. And, like, to the point where it's like, there are elements to him in Zeta where, like, because in Zeta, he's he's part of just, like, the main squad in that one. He's not just, like, a villain that they sometimes pop into. You see him working with people, and um, it's kind of this thing where the more you watch Zeta, the more you realize he's just kind of... He kind of bullshits his way through social situations. And, like, Origin actually does some stuff with that a little bit, too. Where you, you kind of just see where it's, like... He's only going through the social stuff he needs to to get from point A to point B, and he doesn't really give that much of a shit, which is, it's pretty neat. Yeah. I'm actually, man, I, I kind of want you to watch episode three soon, because I'd like to talk to you about that one, too. I'll do that at some point. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, I'm curious how you would respond to episode three. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think that's... Yeah, no, I really like Gundam Origin, if... If you've got an interest in Gundam, check it out, but do not let it be your first Gundam. Yeah, I, I don't think it would... It's not the kind of prequel that you go into for your first thing. I don't think it would make sense or have any real emotional weight. No, um, no actually, I did want to say, actually, so the thing with Origin, um, which is actually the Star Wars Special Edition of Gundam, no. Um, so the Origin was a manga that actually... I, I think a lot of people just aren't very familiar with it, and they... A lot of people seem to think that Origin as a manga is just, like, the Char story. Um, what Origin was is it was actually, like, a like a 30th anniversary thing or something like that. Um, but it was basically, uh, like, a manga version of 0079. But 0079 has some really goofy, like, super robot-y shit in it. And, like, there, there's some stuff that, obviously, it's, like, as it's making the transition from, like, oh, this goofy little mecha show thing to, oh, we want to talk about real war... Uh, the manga was kind of made with the intention to kind of make it a little bit more realistic and grounded than the original series was to the point to where um if you watch 0079 and if you actually keep track of where they're going from point a to point b on earth their navigational path makes no sense and i think there's actually an episode where they're in africa and they're like okay let's go to south america right now <laughs> and like there's just some really weird jumble movement so like i think in the series like in the series they're just jumping over all over the place and it doesn't actually make much much uh sense and then in the manga they're just like okay they land in like alaska and they're just gonna make their way south to south america and i i think like there's some other stuff too where like uh they kind of explain the gundam as being like more advanced technology and like the gun tank and the gun cannon are like kind of older uh they took out some other stuff like the the weird ball and chain thing that the Gundam had is no longer there, um, and some other stuff too, just to make it a little bit more in line with later Gundam stuff. Uh, and uh, basically, how that worked is it was it was a straight adaptation, and then three fourths of the way through, they did all the Char stuff. Yeah, it was like a it was like an extended flashback arc. Yeah, and then they went back, and then they closed it up. 
Um, yeah, so so the they haven't said this. They, all they've announced so far is that like next year they're going to start doing. Um, so the flashback arc contended into like Char's time in the war or Char, everyone pronounce it. His time yeah. in like the war before Gundam started, where he became like super famous. Um, so they're going to do that arc next with the uh, OVAs. That's good. Um, and I hope. Maybe it's maybe it's a little far fetched, but I hope that after that they actually then just adapt the manga version of the original storyline. I, I I think that's far fetched, but I, I kind of hope they do because from what I've heard for all intents and purposes, it's just the original but better. Um Yeah, I'd be okay with that with this animation, man. Yeah. And and like from what I've heard too, they've actually kind of, they like they've kind of uh like they they've just made it a bit more adult from what I've heard too. Like there's a little bit less of like the over dramatic childhood angst angle and stuff with Amaro's character. And like from what I've heard, like they they've just kind of like matured it up a bit or something. Uh so like I don't know. I'm really curious to read it. Uh I, I've wanted to read it forever, but like it's a thing where it's like the only the only reliable way to really get that and get like a good translation is like to buy it, so um which like hey that's what you should do anyway support the people who bring that stuff over but you you did remind me of one of one of my only real complaints about origin though what is it it is they kind of there there gets to be a point where they they shove a little too many oh hey it's that character from the original gundam cameo yeah like there's stuff like that that like part of that is just like oh oh you had to do the thing um, yeah I, I don't remember if it's part two or three but there is a part where Amaro's in it and it's like fuck that's, off that's part one I, I love oh, that oh is it because there's another one later then I'm pretty sure it's part one no no uh, it, it might be part two I don't, I don't quite remember yeah, anymore I watched those like, as they came out yeah they're, they're like it's all and I don't even care about spoiling this all oh, Char and Amaro's in the same room together they didn't notice each other but they were in the same room yeah and I think they're even <laughs> like oh who's that dumb little boy with yeah yeah dumb yeah boy? who's that dumb kid or something <laughs> fuck off I think he also has the toy that like it, to be fair it is technically technically the origin is a separate continuity than you see yeah um which is also weird too because it's like oh origin's a prequel but also like it's technically an alternate universe prequel? It's really weird. It's a prequel to a slightly different version of the story that maybe we'll get later. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, so, which I guess also in a weird way throws a lot of my characterization complaints out the window, but also it's I weird. Mean, I guess, but I, I feel like they intended it to be consistent. Yeah, so really. yeah. No, like, I like them overall, it's just there's some stuff where it's like, I wish they kind of toned down some stuff, and I would have liked it a lot yeah. more. Yeah, man, I'm totally okay with the stuff that they have in there. <laughs> and I feel like, I, I've reached the point where, like, I kind of feel like, you know what, most people probably are going to agree with you, because I'm normally the odd one out on this sort of thing. <sighs> so, I, I'm okay, I, I'll go full and behind. I like Gundam the Origin better than any other spinoff so far that I've seen. Granted, I haven't been into Gundam for too long, so we'll see where that goes. I've actually heard very divided things because I've heard I've heard the angle of man, they made Char a lot more badass and I love him a lot more. And then I've also heard no, they're doing the count like the Char's counterattack thing, I don't like this. So I think it's actually pretty split. Actually, well I would say there's a lot of people that actually really don't like the CG. I think 
I don't know. I'm always really weird with that sort of thing because I, I tend to react better to the CG than I think a lot of people do, to be honest, and stuff. Like, it doesn't piss me off, like, just as a concept like it does for a lot of people, it seems. But, like, there's some stuff, and I think it was two, that, like, I thought looked kind of wonky. But overall, I thought it actually, like, worked pretty well. But I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was fine. That opening scene of one is fucking amazing. I, I think all of it looks amazing. Yeah, I don't true. know. I was just sitting there, like I was like, "Man, this show just looks great." Yeah, but, I don't know. No, I like how they modernize the uh, the seventies style, though. It's it's really cool how they do so that. So unique, yeah. But yeah, there's that yeah. Gundam talk. Yeah, uh, it's it's over. Sorry if you're not into Gundam. That was probably pretty bad. I'll um, I'll probably have little agenda points for the people uh, that want to skip the Gundam. That makes that makes sense. Uh, yeah, the only other thing I really wanted to talk about for the stuff I've been doing, and this kind of dates back a little while, it's kind of an ongoing saga, I'll be pretty brief about it though. Would you say that Gundam is more of an origin or a beginning hour? I would say that Gundam is a real beginning hour. Oh. And that Resident Evil 7 beginning hour... That's the is, dumbest name. <laughs> it's so bad. But hey, guess what? It's We're not even the beginning hour. It's not! And that's the thing, too. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited. Let's back up a bit. So, for those that don't know, at E3, they did the thing where they were like, oh, here's this creepy PT-like trailer. What's it for? Oh, it's Resident Evil 7. Oh, that's crazy. That didn't look like Resident Evil. There's a demo out now, just like there was for PT. Okay, I'll go play it. Um, initial response, um, demo was fine, uh, a few whatever scares, wasn't really all that scary, but atmosphere was good, creepy house, doesn't feel anything like Resident Evil, but I'll, I'll give it a shot, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the main thing, and anyone who knows anything about this demo already knows where I'm going with this, so I'll try to be as brief as possible. Um, there was a bunch of shit in that trailer, trailer, that dim, no, yeah, let's go with that first of all. There's a bunch of shit in that trailer that was not in that demo, and they said that that demo, nothing in it's gonna be in the main game. So the question is, if nothing in that demo is in the game, where was all that shit from the trailer? So, then, there's a bunch of items in the demo that have no use. People found the dummy finger, people found an axe, no use, and then there's a bunch of weird, mysterious stuff. And the bottom line is the demo opens up with get out of the house and you can't. There's people say, oh, there's like two or three endings. But oh, you just need to open the front door, end. you idiot. Yeah. Well, you can open the back door, but you get punched. Um, so, yeah, there's a few bad endings. Do you get punched you get by punched. Chris? No, you get punched by a. Like, is a, the plot a twist that man. you're the boulder? Oh, that'd be the best. No, okay, so yeah, you get punched by a like a bearded family man that's like, welcome to the family, son, oh. and then he punches you, and then that's it. Um, you No actual way to get out of the house. So, they set this up so much. Hey, have you heard this before? Weird first-person horror demo representing a new entry in a long-running horror series that has a mysterious puzzle in it that's very hard to solve. Sounds like PT, right? Hmm, a little bit. Hey, how long do people talk about PT for? A real long time. A really right? long time. Hype was up. Let's do the same thing with Resident Evil 7. Alright, what's the puzzle gonna be? Ah, fuck it. Just don't, just don't make one. Just put a bunch of shit in there. And they'll spend time talking about it. 
We don't have to actually put a puzzle in there because they're going to know it's Resident Evil 7 from the beginning. <laughs> so yeah, all this mysterious uh... stuff leads to nothing. It has been pretty much conclusively debunked that there's anything in there. There's just a bunch of mysterious items and a bunch of mysterious things. You can't actually solve the puzzle. I I personally spent about a week on it, probably like maybe 30 hours total trying everything I could think of. Um, people way crazier than me have still gone on oh, doing it this whole time. Well, they're going to um, be the one to solve it and get all the glory. Well, here's the thing. I think it was today? Yeah, I think today or yesterday, Capcom sent out an email to like people that signed up for the newsletter that had like a cutoff finger and it's like what does the finger do maybe have patience and it was like a calendar that said september oh fuck off fuck off wait no are they are they doing what the phantom pain conspiracy theorists actually thought were there i think so are I they think... going to patch in more content I think what happened, and this is my personal theory, is that they really didn't intend to have a solution. They just left all this shit in there to get people to talk about it. Saw the crazy reaction of people going, hey man, if they really don't have a solution to this, I'm not buying Resident Evil 7. And went, oh fuck, uh, patience, all will be revealed oh, in the future. <laughs> that's lame. It's so bad. And I don't even... I was so mad about this, and at this point, I'm just kind of indifferent because my anger has kind of... I've gone through all the emotions. Um, and the bottom line is, like, the demo itself is, like, when you take out all the mystery shit, it's really short and, and not that great. It's okay, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll see what the full game is like, but as a demo without anything more, it's pretty bare bones. And the funniest thing about it is that all this mysterious stuff led to us to pick apart the demo, and all we found was that it's kind of a bucky piece of shit. Because there's so many things that are like, hey man, I found something really weird and mysterious. Yeah, it's just a bug. It, there's, it's just so buggy. Oh. <laughs> well. like, that has been the biggest waste of time for me, and I just need to get that off my chest, because man, fuck that demo. Okay, so I haven't played the Resident Evil 7 demo. I downloaded it literally, like, the minute it was like, hey, it's up on North American PSN, because it took a really long time, actually, from that announcement. It, like, came out literally everywhere else in the world before North America. Uh, it, it was, was weird. Like, it was, like, 3 a.m., I think. Yeah, and, like, I downloaded it pretty much second one, I think, actually, and, like... <laughs> I just haven't touched it yet, and like like you said, actually, people, everyone talking about PT, I feel like because they tried so hard to emulate PT, actually, like, it's less special, and now people don't give as much of a shit, because um, PT was such a brilliant idea, and I, I don't think you're ever gonna fully recapture that with that same idea, like, you're never gonna get that fire again like you did with it, PT. It's shameless, too. It's shameless. There's even a creepy ghost girl for no reason. Oh, that was the first thing I wanted to talk about. Thank you for bringing that up. So. Oh, okay. Well, I guess my fir like even like before that, I want to start this with like the he the heading and then like underline this like four times. Uh, the first thing we know about Resident Evil Seven, we want to take it back to its horror roots. <laughs> so here's my problem with this statement. Okay. First thing, Resident Evil Seven, er, Resident Evil as a series has never really had like ghosts. It's all like biological like zombie shit and like mutations and like creepy transformations and non-human ascensions shit like that. Having a ghost is stupid, especially when you know as soon as 7 comes out they're gonna explain that as, like, some really dumb, like, oh, it was the 
the Ghost Scuba 400. I, with I, the... will, I will say that the hints are already there that it's not really a ghost. <sighs> yeah, it's just a little girl that was infected with the PT virus. Which yeah. is... Oh, that's solid. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, the prototype T-virus, no. Um, yeah. And then... So, that's my first problem. Second problem, and, like, this is so much a thing. Um, I think the VR thing is kind of silly. Like, hopefully when 7 comes out and, you know, they've already said they're going to really push uh, PlayStation VR, I hope it's solid. But also, like, this kind of has confirmed my one of my major worries with VR where, um, well, just, like, there's a lot of stuff in general I want to cram into the second point. But, like, the first thing is horror VR is a thing that most people think they want but don't actually want. Because with everything else that's scary, you can look away, close your eyes, whatever. The thing stops being there. When you have a virtual reality headset on, you have to shove that thing off of your face. I don't think people realize that or necessarily really actually want that. A lot of people just think they do. I think that's... I, I, I don't like that as a concept. I really hope the full game isn't in first person when it, it comes... Oh, it is. Damn it. Well, that's it's not ma It's not mandatory to have VR with it, though. That's yeah, yeah, I know that. And like that that's good, but just like I hope the the fact that it's being made for VR doesn't lead to some stupid stuff, you know? Like I I hope when you play it without VR it still feels like a very complete full experience. Um and then this also is like the final part of the second point I want to make. Uh every like well not everyone, but like I want to say a good 70% of the articles I read about people's VR experience with RE7 was man, it made me sick. And mm. I ha I saw a lot of journalists that were even like, I've played all these VR games at all these different game shows. Resident Evil 7 was the first one to make me almost want to puke. And that really, and like, none of them has ever really been able to describe it. Like, why? But just like, there's this yeah, overall they... consensus of like, for whatever reason, this is the one making people feel really, like, gross. The, the, is, does it have to do with like the the way the VR works or the content of the game? The the, the VR like just as soon okay. as they start moving, just motion sickness. Oh, interesting. Um, and like there's a lot of E3 impressions that are just like I've played, I've been on like VR like this whole like Oculus thing and like onwards from like day one, and I've never had a problem. Resident Evil Seven was like the first time I got sick, and I've heard that so many times and seen that across a lot of articles. And that kind of worries me as, like, a thing. And just, like, I, I get, like, VR needs, like, a big game to be the one to, like, really push it. I just kind of feel bad because it's, like, I don't know how that works with Resident Evil. <laughs> um, uh, I'm in... See, I, okay, so I've tried the Oculus and I've tried the PlayStation VR. Um, I'm not sold, oh. honestly. I, I'm I'm just not sold. I think the idea is great. I don't think the content's going to be there. And like you said, Resident Evil 7, I don't think that's a system seller because, hey, this VR headset, it's a system. It's priced like a system. It's a system. Yeah. Um, I don't think Resident Evil 7 is a system seller. And every other thing they've announced had the caveat of being the VR experience or the VR level. Which is going to be like an hour-long thing that you're yeah. done with. Yeah. No, like, I feel like, yeah, like... You know that X-Wing game they showed off at E3? Like, I feel like something like that is the thing you need. Not, like, this very slow-paced, horror-y, like, thing that's... Well, first of all, it's called Resident Evil 7. I think that enough for a lot of people are gonna be like, oh, why would I jump in here, you know? Like, I feel like that's kind of... Either make a new thing or take one of those experiences and flesh it out more, you know? 
And I think that's kind of going to be your jumping on point for people. Um, I don't know if seven, like RE7 is like the best place for that sort of move. I think that's kind of weird, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'm super not sold on the whole thing yet. Yeah, I, I've, I've yet to really try one out and like I want to, but like it's really weird because I, I get motion sick with some things. Like I, I'm not, I, I'm not big on amusement park rides. Um, and like that's not fully because like I get sick, like I kind of do, but like I can deal, but like. I'm really weird with, like, cars where sometimes I'm fine, very rarely if, like, I'm on a road trip or something, and if I'm not sitting in, like, the passenger seat or driving, like, I'll start to feel queasy. Um, the only thing that will fully set off, like, me feeling motion sick is if I'm in a moving vehicle and I attempt to read for any, like, like, if I attempt to read, like, a book for longer than a minute, I just can't deal, and, like, I start to get sick. Um, and what's really weird, actually, I found is, like, if I'm reading, like, a screen... Sometimes that'll happen, sometimes it won't. I'm not sure why. Uh, like, I have this, I have really, really selective motion sickness, I guess. And, like, so, like, this whole time, it's like, man, I feel really bad if, like, I paid $400 and, like, bought a game for, like, a VR experience thing. And then, like, I just couldn't do it. Yeah, I would, I would definitely say anyone in your position should wait. Exactly, and that's, like, the thing where it's, like, well, first of all, like, I don't know anyone who's going to ever, like, have one of these, and, like, I, there's no real realistic way for me to try it out, so I'm just, like, I'm not gonna waste all that money on a thing that I may not possibly be even able to handle, and, like, I, just from what I've seen and what from, like, I've looked at, like, I feel like I'd be fine, but I, the fact that the risk is there at all for that price, fuck no, you know? Like yeah. that, I'm never gonna bother. Um, the only thing I'd say, the only thing I could say is maybe check your local GameStop. Mine had a PlayStation VR set up for a couple days. Uh, hopefully, sometime in the future when it comes out, you'll be able to demo it. Yeah, like I think that'd probably be my best bet. Um, and then like also too, but even with that, like if we're getting like game journalists and stuff saying like well i wasn't sick but then this one specific game made me sick man how shitty would it be if you just bought like you were fine for like a year or two you had vr and then like either you get like an indie game that like the developers just didn't know what they were doing and couldn't make a very good vr game and just it makes you sick because it's poorly made or calibrated or whatever or even if you buy this big triple a 60 dollar thing and it's just like oh this specific game makes me feel queasy so i can't play this for very long like that would suck, you know. Um, but I mean, man, I just, I just want to get to the point where I'm living in dot hack, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. No, like I, when I was a kid, that was the thing, you know. It's like, oh man, dot hack. I, I want a VR video game situation, and I feel like we're close, but it's just not there yet. And they need to iron it all out, and they need to work on it. I don't want to live in the Matrix. Wake up, uh -oh. sheeple. Oh. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, what a, uh, <laughs> I mean, now I feel weird. <laughs> yeah, I know. Fucking... What, I don't even remember the dude from The Matrix that betrayed them. I don't remember his name. Uh, Ignorance is bliss. Steak eat. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> I, I like how I said eat instead of bite, but whatever. Um, yeah. No, that dude with the creepy mustache that betrayed everyone. Is this is a this is a good movie, The Matrix. 
Um, this is a good thing. Too. Controversial <laughs> opinions. <laughs> the Matrix is a good movie. Ooh, oh. We were testing boundaries waters here. No, but um. Oh, and then yeah, I want to move on to my third point. This is my third and final point. When the fuck was like the whole like roots of Resident Evil like pure horror? Like Never. yeah, and like that's part of my thing where it's like I, I know this isn't the case because like as of like. I guess like even you could make the case for a lot of games, but like. In Revelations 2, like, I don't really like that game, but, like, there's a lot of shit that they throw around, like, like it just buries presence. Like, they know it's a cheesy thing. But if that game hadn't have existed, aside from, like, some minor references and gags that they've thrown out, like, if they're saying, like, yeah, we're bringing it back to its roots and this is what they thought the roots are, I really want to believe there's some Capcom higher-ups that just fully believe and are, like, immersed in Resident Evil 1 through 3. And just take it at face value, and like they don't think it's cheesy at all, and that makes me really happy. Um, but yeah, I, it's weird. That, you bring up an interesting thing, and I kind of have a, a not well agreed upon opinion of Resident Evil's direction. Um, now I will not pretend that Resident Evil Six was a good game. It was pretty bad. Uh, it was sloppy all over the place, mismanaged, and didn't know what it wanted to be. But the one thing I will give that game is that Resident Evil, to me, has always been the video game version of a B-horror movie. You yeah. know what I mean? It, it's like, it's schlocky... Oh, that's totally what it is. It's schlocky horror, and I think the original Resident Evil was pretty accurate to B-horror movies of that era. And whatever you want to say about Resident Evil 6, that is a B-horror movie of today. Would you say would you say it's like in line with like you know you know from what I've seen of six and like played briefly of it friends and stuff it seems more in line with like you know how a lot of like movies that are like horror movies nowadays are like oh the the disaster flick that's yeah. kind of what those like what six is trying to do in it it kind of it's it's like a mix between that and like the sci-fi original B <laughs> where it's like oh here's the giant uh dinosaur monster yeah it's like okay you saw sharknado kind of thing you know what i mean yeah like resident evil 6 is a bad game but i feel like at least it was true to the b horror movie roots of resident evil even though it was a different type also too it's gonna be kind of weird because with 7 it seems like they're probably gonna be toning it back by like a lot because like that was one thing with 6 i know a lot of people like it's just like the world is so fucked up throughout <laughs> six, you know? So it's like, man, seven's gonna be really weird. Cause, like, if it's like, oh, it's gonna take, like, what if they do the thing where it's like, oh, it all takes place in a mansion, right? It's gonna be like, man, well, that probably isn't super important to the overall thing. Which, like, yeah. I mean, to be honest, who cares? But, like, also, too, it's just kind of... It's funny how, like, four kind of ramps it... Four and five kind of ramp it up to be like, oh, this, like tiny little community or like this country you know are like starting to get infected everywhere and like then six takes it even further and then seven's like oh yeah we're gonna gonna rain in a little bit again uh, uh, and th hey they have confirmed it is a sequel it takes place after six that's great so we'll see where that goes remember when after five they're like oh we're gonna reboot this yeah those, those are good times i think they're honestly kind of afraid to yeah probably uh, and honestly if this isn't a reboot, I don't think we're ever going to get one. 
Oh, probably not. This, I don't this think is so. It's time to point. reboot it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so at this point. Um, I I don't see them doing that anymore. But also too, like you know what? If you're not gonna reboot it, fuck it. Bring Wesker back. He deserves <laughs> to be back. I don't want to see him just fully be dead now. I want you to just keep bringing him back like a comic book villain, just over and over again. It'd be Might great. As well, comes Bio Wesker. Yeah, pretty much. Wait, fuck. Oh that shit! Was Resident Evil Five. <laughs> Wait, you're right. Well, you can you anyway. can keep doing it, Bio Bio Wesker. He's even yeah. more of a monster now. Uh, yeah, and that's Resident Evil Seven talk. Yeah, that was good you know what came out and was actually good and no one has any problems with it all what's that overwatch that's overwatch a, that's a good video game that, that i thought was gonna be bad game. man I, I that was so not on my radar at all same and like to the point where uh i would hear commercials for it Every day at work, nonstop, and in the back of my mind, I'm just like, oh yeah, it's that game. And yeah. would never look at the screen. I'm pretty sure that was announced at, like, an E3, and, like, I saw it, and I was like, man, that looks like shit TF2 clone thing that they're trying really hard to push. And also, too, I, I still stand by this, Overwatch is a fucking awful, like, it's a really boring title. Like, <laughs> I, I don't think it's a very good name. Uh, and I think part of, like, that combination of just, like, I thought that original trailer did not look interesting at all, and, like, that title, I was just like, I don't care. Also, too, like, as, like, a general thing, like, Blizzard stuff never really... Like, I know there's some people that, like, play video games and, like, they only play Blizzard stuff. I don't know, like, I I've never been super into Blizzard games i guess like and part of that is just because i'm not a big pc guy like i got i got a little bit into diablo like diablo here and there and stuff but other than that yeah they just like i never really cared for their other stuff and then uh the overwatch beta happened and people were like oh it's really good actually and then i played it and i was like holy shit this is actually really really good and i think we I, well i mean i played the beta with you and like we just had a party and we I would say every individual member of that, like, party, I think it was only a weekend, it was, like, or, no, it was about a week-long beta, I'd say, but, like, we all put in about 15 hours into that beta alone. Yeah. It was really ridiculous. And I think every single, like, almost every single person in that party then went, yeah, I guess I'll get this. Yeah, like, actually, I'm pretty sure everyone we played with in that thing, just like, yeah, well, <laughs> that's $60 that I lost, yep, just fucking give it to me. Uh, no, Overwatch is great. Like, there is so much stuff about that. Like, I don't know. I, I, I've dwelled on the fact, maybe even on this podcast, that, like, I've really wanted just, like, a competitive shooter thing. Because, like, I don't know if people, people probably know this about me at this point. Like, I used to kind of do some, like, Call of Duty 4, like, clan stuff way, way back. And, like, do some, like, minor competitive stuff there. Like, not, not like, super serious and, like, it wasn't like I was super great or anything. But, like, it it was really fun playing, like, a competitive thing and seeing yourself get better. And, like, be better than the normal player and know a lot of advanced, like, tech and stuff. And some skills and, like, stats and shit that the average player doesn't even realize exists and stuff like that. And, like, that's just, like, a really fun experience that I've kind of wanted, like at least to some extent, maybe not like a full, to fully relive, but just something competitive that was just easy to pick up and play and do good stuff on or whatever. 
and Overwatch is like I think the first game that actually has fully filled that void for me. And uh, well, I mean, I, I haven't played in like a week and a half, but um, it's just a really fun game to just like pop in when you have some free time and play a match or two. It's really fun. I was kind of the opposite in the fact that I never really thought I would want that kind of game because first-person shooters just isn't really my genre, and I'm not super into the competitive stuff. But I played that beta, and man, I just had so much fun that I didn't want to stop, you know? I just wanted to keep playing. You know what I think helped in, like, this was, like, partially that I noticed with, like, uh, when, like, we convinced you to get on Try It Out, and, like, also some other people that I've just seen, like, on Twitter and stuff, where there are characters in that game where if you're not, if you, like, feel really bad about, oh, I can't aim and kill things and, like... I just, I'm not good at that sort of thing. There are, like, characters that focus on turrets or, like, defensive stuff or healing that are yeah. perfect because at that point it just becomes a case of move around the map in a way that doesn't get you killed, but also, lead, like, it's basically just a game of positioning at that point and being in the right place at the right time rather than, oh, I need to focus on killing these other players or taking this objective in a way. Like, yeah. I mean, you're always taking the objective no matter who you are, but, like... For certain characters, that just means supporting the other... Like, it's literally called a support class, where they just support another player and make sure that they don't die and stuff like that, which is really nice. And that even... That leads you into playing other characters, too. Mm hmm No, I think that's something really good, too, that they do, where after, like, a couple matches, it becomes pretty apparent that you need to have at least... I'd say at a bare minimum, four characters that you feel comfortable playing... And everyone on the team needs to be able to kind of be flexible and move around and kind of specialize regarding what the team needs. And that's, like, a super useful skill. The more characters you know how to play in, like, a decent setting, like, the more the more beneficial you're going to be to your team because you are going to need to switch out and the other team's going to be switching out. And you're, you're going to be into a situation where it's like, oh, there's a lot of turrets on that team. I need to switch to, like, Farah or a Sniper and just get rid of those because dipshit one and dipshit two on our team keep running in and getting killed by the turrets so I, I need to just take those out so they can run in and do what they need to and stuff like that and just it kind of becomes this thing where very organically even if you're not very good at shooters or don't feel comfortable with them like it just kind of eases you into the direction of leading you to kind of try out more offensive stuff and understanding and kind of getting how to play in a way which I, I think is really neat like it's very ingenious how that game is designed. Yeah, the the way I started it was I played like Thor Thorborn, however you pronounce his name, the dwarf. And Torbjorn. I, Tor Torborn, dwarf beard. And I started trying a little bit of Mercy out. And then I forget who it was, but like Orange people kept going, hey, Zach, you should try out D.Va. You know, I think you'll like D.Va if you want like a more offensive character. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll try it out. And then I loved it. So I started like maining D.Va, I guess you could say. And then, you know, I, I was playing between, like, our group that we played with, and then I had a couple of other friends that got the game. And eventually I was like, man, I love playing as D.Va, but it doesn't always work out that way that I can play as D.Va. So let me try another offensive character. Let me see how I am with Roadhog. Let me see how I am with Pharah. Let me see how I am with Symmetra. And it's like, oh, I'm learning characters that I'm good and bad with. And just naturally, you know? Yeah, and like it really helps too that it's like, how do I play this character? Pop up the menu that details the five moves they have. 
yeah, then after it's a not couple and after a couple matches, like I'd say after two matches of just using that character straight through, you like the buttons are it comes naturally. It's like okay, I'm playing as Roadhog. This is how I change someone, and like even on the UI, it has the buttons displayed out for your main actions and other stuff. Like I think the only thing that it's like oh, sometimes when I'm playing as Lucio or sometimes when I'm playing as Hanzo, it's like I totally forget that I can like walk on walls and stuff just because like. It's kind of other characters can when I play those characters. I, you know, it doesn't even cross my mind that I can't do that. Um, but yeah, like it's just really good at like being pretty simple. And like it's one of those things like easy to learn, hard to master. Um, it's one of those games definitely where if you don't have people to play with, I think it'd be, I think it's still fun. And I still regularly pop on or whatever whenever, you know, I just have some free time to kill alone and just play. But I do think it's a thing where if you have a team of six people that aren't talking and are just, like, randoms, and then you have a full six-player team that they're communicating and, like, they're friends and they all know each other, that team's always going to win pretty much most of the time, I'd say. Like, it's, it's a game that heavily relies on teamwork, but also within that, I think that it gives you enough tools and, like, in-game communication stuff, and just the fact that it's, it's, it's a pretty basic game at the end of the day, I'd say. Um, most of the advanced stuff is a, a little bit more of, like, just team synergy stuff. Uh, you never feel as though it's too complex. Or, like, you need to highly coordinate in a way that, like, you need to practice and, like, spend, like, days coming up with flowcharts and stuff just to figure out what you need to do to win. It's just a matter of, like, hey, stay behind my shield, or hey, let me heal you before you run out and get yourself killed. Like, it's really basic stuff like that. Yeah, it's definitely... It's it's well-made. It's a game that... If you're... Hey, if you're someone that's like, oh, I only really play RPGs, I only really play adventure games, I am not a first-person shooter person, and I got into it so hard, at least give it a try. Because it's designed in a way that if you're new to shooters, there's there's an easy way in, and then if you're good at shooters, there's a lot to master. Yep. Also follow at Reaper Names on Twitter. <laughs> hey man, Sephiroth Lord sixteen. Ah. Uh, <laughs> man, I so I made an Overwatch meme Twitter account. It's called at Reaper Names. It's. It took off a little bit more than I expected. I think I'm closing in at... Hold on, let's check right now, actually, live. On, on oh, show. I'm getting my phone, it's Feel charging. my hatred. Oh, yeah. Dr. Dong Long, or whatever the fuck that guy's name was. Um, yeah, we're almost at 15,000 subscriber followers. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Well, <laughs> maybe soon. Oh, but um, Her name's YouTube exposed. Yeah, gasp. Uh, no, but, uh, yeah, I made a Twitter called at Reaper Names where I make fun of Edgelord and just overall stupid people, or stupid usernames. Most of the people that play usernames are probably dumb, but except for the people that find that they've been posted on Reaper Names and are like, hey, that's me. No, you guys are cool. It's just the people that don't find it. Those people are the dumb ones. Um, yeah, sure. Sure, yep. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I pretty much just made the shitposting account to make fun of Reaper players, and, like, it took off super hardcore. And now I just, like, post, like, side little, like, random dumb jokes and make fun of Battleborn, and everyone eats it all up, and they're like, yeah, this is great. And then I'm like, yeah. It's almost like you're good at doing the internet thing. Yeah. You know what I will actually say, though? As someone who is, like, 
kind of shifted his college path from like programming to hey i want to maybe do some social media stuff this was such a confidence boost <laughs> like it's really ridiculous and it's like this isn't something i could ever put on a resume but it's like hey i can do this and like i can cultivate an account that like people find enjoyable and like will go along with and i was like okay like this is a little less scary of like a possible path in my life so that was that was kind of neat to see actually but hey, hey man at the risk of this being a little awkward you're pretty good at it yeah i love shit posting oh <laughs> <laughs> yep that'll yep. that'll be a thing so this all, i'll just put on my resume professional shit poster hire me lows or actually i mean it's pretty close to being true man Sonic the Hedgehog is a thing. You know what? <laughs> Everyone if loves Hedgehog that. Could do it, you could do it. Yeah, well, that's never a piece of advice I thought I'd hear in my life. Holy shit! <laughs> no, that's the best advice. Uh, yeah. Shut up. I'm really actually kind of depressed because I'm looking at this like follower count of like almost fifteen thousand. It's like, man, this is the most impact I'll probably have on humanity on any given scale, and I'm so all right with this. This is great. I I love that. Like this is the most like I I I one day I just looked at like my Twitter analytics or whatever cuz like they tell you like oh this is like the overall like user impressions you've made. Like how many people have seen your shit? It is a ridiculously high number and I'm just like holy shit. Like man, I have touched more people with this stupid joke than I ever thought possible and that's great. This is my magnum opus. Yeah, on the tombstone it'll be your name and then at reaper names. <laughs> follow it still I'll, I'll give it i'll give it to my child you know they can carry on in my stead the red dead redemption of twitter yeah and there'll be a, like a movie rights fiasco uh good times Excited. yep no so yeah that's fun it is i feel really i feel kind of bad too because like like i said i haven't played overwatch in like a week and a half it's one of those things where it's like oh yeah at reaper names hey overwatch jokes and i'm like oh i haven't hey man, i haven't played in a bit why haven't you played Overwatch in a week and a half? Because, uh, um, not because I had a Wii U, um, which I got Friday, so that time skill doesn't work, but nice try. This is a good one. You 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 attempted the segue, you went no. for it, I shot it down. You were just so excited about the Wii U that you couldn't play Overwatch, No, nope, right? I just sat in bed all day and thought about Mario 3D World. Okay, oh. you know what? Okay, so I'm going to talk about the wii u for a little bit here uh but i will start by saying that i got the refurbished 32 gigabyte one that came bundled with uh, nintendo land and mario 3d world uh not really expecting to play both of those but then i actually got the console itself i'm like oh well i have no games of course so i might as well play them nintendo land's okay i guess but like man i didn't expect mario 3d world to be that fun it's really fun um so yeah, I, I got a Wii U. Uh, I, that's all I really want to talk about Mario 3D World. It's a Mario game. There's not much to really talk about, to be honest. It's just it's just pure joy. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, the Wii U is weird because it's like I picked one up, honestly, kind of because it's like Tokyo Mirage Sessions coming out. Really want that game. It looks really neat. And also too, there is like a Nintendo dude that came out recently that the sales figures came out and like it's basically been confirmed that the wii u was only slightly less of a failure than the dreamcast was which is really sad um and like i've had problems with nintendo and like nintendo makes me mad with a lot of stuff but man the wii u had some cool stuff and also it's always kind of sad to see it do that bad you know 
Um, so, but there's a Nintendo salesperson that was like, if you want a Wii U, you should probably just get one now. And like, part of that is like, to me, like, okay, that's probably a little bit disingenuous, but like, you know what, on the off chance that these become rare or like kind of pricey, I might as well, whatever, fuck it. And also TMS is coming out. So, Hey, uh, so I just spit the bullet and bought refurbished. Um, so that's actually something that I've heard about on and off. Um, there's actually someone on Twitter that, was like, yeah, I bought a refurbished Wii U and a refurbished new 3DS XL. Both of them are, like, perfectly mint condition. Highly recommend it. And just from, like, other places on the internet and, like, some people I know have bought refurbished from Nintendo, they're like, it's practically brand new, minus, like, maybe one or two things. Um, the quality my Wii U came in was super good. There is one very faint, long scratch on the very top of the uh, console that if the light hits it, you can see it. But other than that, I wouldn't even notice it was there. Um, if, if like, my desk where I have the Wii U on wasn't right near a window, I probably would still not even know that that was a thing. Um, and also, like, one of my buttons was, like, like I, 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 like, got the Wii U gamepad out, and, like, there's just, like, a lot of dust on one of the buttons on the gamepad. And I just brushed it off, and it's fine now, but, like, I was kind of weirded out by that. <laughs> like... Yeah, just, like, it was, like, the X button. All, like, the dust collected there, and I was just, like, what the... Like, it looked dirty at first, and I was, like, oh, no, that's... Ooh. But then, like, I just cleared it off, and it's, like, no, that was just all dust, okay? And, like, it's... Like it's part of a puzzle. <laughs> the RE7 demo is in my... Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, uh, it was really weird. Um, But, no, the refurbished quality is great. Like, the only thing that I was kind of worried at first, I'm, like, oh, man, this gamepad doesn't last very long, and then I googled it, and I'm, like, oh, it just doesn't last that long okay never mind um so i was a little worried about that but no that's just battery life for that isn't the highest so i i, I have it on power saving mode now that actually helps a bit more than i was expecting but i, I just play with it plugged in yeah that makes sense too <laughs> um so like i just want some general wii u like impressions real quick i feel kind of bad to say it man just going from like a console user experience kind of understand why this thing ain't selling like hotcakes and like i know a lot of the reason it's not doing great is it well first of all the name is a huge thing also too the fact that a lot of the wii audience has since moved on to like tablets and smartphones which is very obvious um setting that thing up was such a weird experience because like for for quite a few years actually into uh the previous generation i only had a wii and then later on, I got a PS3, and just as less and less stuff came out for the Wii. Because, like, the Wii was always that thing where it's like, oh, there's a bunch of, like, this, you know, that's kind of where the whole shovelware term was thrown around, like, candy. But, like, a lot of Wii games, you know, are these, like, arcade mini game collections, you know? But then you'd get the occasional thing, like, Mad World or No More Heroes or Mario Galaxy, where it's like, this is really cool and worth playing. But, like, that's kind of what my Wii was to me. Um... It was just like, there's the occasional really cool game, and then the rest of the time, it's like, hey, if I want to play Virtual Console or something, it's always there. Um, but, like, I guess because I didn't use the Wii for quite a few years until, like, you know, I want to play, like, a specific thing, I forgot some of the weird Nintendo-isms to their, like, interfaces and stuff. And just, like, setting up that console is such a bizarre experience where it's like, okay, so there's these four different icons. Uh, click the click on the gamepad so that they match the things on the TV screen. And I was just like, it's, 
is this like a, a like a am i in a 999 puzzle right now like what's what's going on here this is am i gonna explode if i don't do this right like it was crazy um and also there are at least two times maybe three but I counted at least two times during that setup process where they pretty much say, hey, if you're a fucking stupid child under the age of 18, have your parent do this for you, you little dipshit. I'm just like, oh. Like, the PS4 just was like, hey, just confirm this and then sign in. And, like, I, it was just really weird being told, hey, if you're a child, stop right now. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, and you just... all know children can't play their nintendo games no and like it's it's really weird and like i get they they very obviously still care about being family friendly and like obviously there's going to be a lot of kids that like want to do that sort of thing but man do i feel i feel like actually my wii u setup time was a lot longer than the ps4's was oh dude the wii u setup time is ridiculous i feel like i'm imagining a christmas where the kid gets the Wii U, then is constantly shouting in the other room for his mom or dad to, like, do the thing because the Nintendo is like, no, fuck you, child, get your parent, and Christmas is ruined for everyone forever. Uh, it's like the anti-Wii. Um, and, like, yeah, it, w it was just so weird. Because then also, too, I, I just actually yesterday I went through the Wii to Wii U transfer, and that was such a fucking... God, Nintendo needs an account system so bad. Oh my god, uh, it's ridiculous. Um, and one better than the one they've tried to make now. Yeah, well, it's not even a real account system. Like, well, they tried like the mine and like didn't they make a new one like this year or last yeah, year? Yeah, there's like a mine Nintendo. Well, there's like the Nintendo Network like ID thing, and then there's like the mine Nintendo, which like you log in using your Nintendo Network ID. It's really weird. Um. But, like, you can't just, like, go on there. Like, for, like, I'm thinking of the time, and I'd maybe be less negative if I didn't have this experience, but I'm thinking of the time I bought a Vita TV, PlayStation TV, but whatever. It's a Vita TV. I don't care what Sony says. Um, and it's like, hey, I have all these different PS1 classic games that I downloaded for my PS3. I can just install any of those I want on my Vita TV just by logging into my PSN that I've had forever, and just saying, yeah, I want to download it on this system now. The Nintendo process for, like, the Wii to Wii U is like, okay, plug in the SD card, you gotta download these two separate channels, gotta plug it into here, plug it, take it out, plug it into here, wait for it to transfer over, both of these need to be connected to the internet at all times, and it's just like, holy shit, it, it took, like, I want to say a good hour to two hours, and I feel like if you had more stuff than I did on there, it'd take a whole day just to transfer, and it's like, man, you guys really the friend code thing totally fucked you over. Like, just make an account and just have it be one thing so I can download this. And then also, too, I feel bad for the people that, like, wanted to use their Wii because after you do the transfer, there is just nothing left on your Wii. It's yeah. bizarre. I don't understand it. Um, you know what's actually really funny? So everything I read was, like, a help article or, like, support stuff or, like, guides from, like, 2014, early 2015. Uh, and those must have changed from then because apparently... Because my, my Wii is hacked to shit. And I'm like, well, I don't want to brick anything, so I want to make sure I read up on that before I do it officially, right? Um, and just reading it, it's like, okay, so basically what it says is it's... 
apparently what it used to do is it used to just delete the homebrew stuff off during the transfer process and be like the following stuff is not official and won't transfer over and it just lists the stuff you have on that's not going to transfer and now they don't even do that they just transfer and delete everything else and then on my wii right now it's just blank and then i have all of my homebrew stuff so my Wii is effectively just a homebrew machine now? It's really weird, and I, like, I don't understand it. Like, I, I kind of, I, I do like that they took out the thing where it's like, we're just gonna delete all, like, because, like, if you're that anal that it's like, we're gonna delete all, like, the cool shit you added to your system or whatever, it's like, I understand why, but, like, come on. So I'm glad they took that out, but it's just really weird because it's like, oh, well, I guess I'll just use my Wii to emulate Game Boy Advance games I want to play on my TV now that aren't on Wii U VC, I, I guess. It's super weird. Um, but yeah, and also too, all of like, so if you had homebrew on your Wii, you could may or may not do a thing where you put games on a hard drive in .iso format and played them on your Wii. So I now have a save file for Xenoblade Chronicles on my Wii U that was from an illegitimate copy of that game. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's... It's just super weird <laughs> that it can't detect that, but I guess it is just technically a save file. Um, but yeah, now that actually that, that's on Wii U VC for like 20 bucks, I can just download that. Um, other than that, and just like the whole transfer stuff and setup being weird, uh, man, that Nintendo eShop is barren. And like, <laughs> I, I was looking through, it's like, what's the stuff currently on sale? And it's like, oh, Killer Bunnies 3. And I'm like, oh, ooh. Oh no. <laughs> I understand why they wanted to do a staggered release of all the content, but it was such a bad idea. It's man, I had the experience the other day, actually, where they updated it recently. Like just the most recent update they had for the for the eShop. And it's like, yeah, Super Mario RPG is now on the Wii U VC, and I was like, that wasn't already there. Right? Like it's that blows my mind. And it's like, well, I had that and that's like a weird thing too where it's like oh i had that on my wii and then it's like oh pay the upgrade cost so you can play it on the gamepad now and i'm just like okay i guess i'll pay a bunch of like it's anywhere from like a buck to two bucks like depending on the system and stuff but it just feels really weird you know um especially when for so many ps4 ps3 vita games it's like a cross-buy situation where just you buy it on one and you get it for at least another thing um, it's really weird that that upgrade cost is there, but I understand why it is because they did add some functionality to stuff. Like you can, you have a save state now. You can play it on the gamepad. Uh, I had a really weird situation actually where uh, I never actually owned Super Mario 64 on the Virtual Console just because for the longest time I still just had a Nintendo 64 around. Then after I got rid of it, I just played on my computer with a controller or whatever. But I'm like, you know what? So I'll get Super Mario 64. I'll play it on. Uh, I'll play it on the Wii U. Apparently, that's like the one Wii U virtual console port that's just really bad. Um, the colors are a lot less vibrant for whatever reason. Like the, they they man of steeled it. I didn't think I'd reference that this podcast. Um, like the colors are just a lot more like washed out. And also, there's like a. And this is really weird too because normally, like you know, like games have input lag or whatever. They're like, oh, there's so many dropped frames or so many frames of, like, input lag or whatever. I'm normally not the type of guy that notices that sort of thing. 
Um, but it was a really weird experience because Super Mario 64 is a game that I've played on and off for, like, a while. Like, it was my first video game I ever set my hands on. And I've just always, like, at least probably once a year, I, I've probably at least opened up, like, an emulator and played Babam Battlefield or whatever, just the first level, you know. It took me this game to really feel some sort of lag just because I'm so familiar with how that game controls that it's like I feel like my like timing on my triple jumps is a little bit off here and I looked it up and it's like oh yeah the port for this one was just kind of bad so it's of course with my luck the one VC game I try out on the gamepad right away it's like oh this is the slightly broken one it's it's still fine but like it's just kind of weird but yeah Wii U is um it's weird also too like the the giant diagram of like what controllers you can use for what game is mind-boggling but yeah. yeah it's it's fun it's just uh i think nintendo kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit with this bit. one yeah a lot a lot of it the foot I is no longer there mm. yeah and also too sometimes they're okay like i've noticed too like there's like a weird lack of consistency too that kind of bothered me with some virtual console prices like some stuff seem more expensive than others and i think it's just like oh if it's a more popular thing sometimes it's a bit more pricey um but like then there's stuff too where nintendo's official policy for wii u virtual console is like hey if the game had classic controller support you can play it on the gamepad with the gamepad controls and you can do that with xenoblade i think there's like one or two other games resident evil 4 is a game that had classic controller support if you buy that game and i and i almost did because the idea of playing resident evil 4 on my gamepad in my bed all like you know cuddly up and in a blanket or whatever sounded really great to me but i looked it up beforehand that game had classic controller support for whatever reason gamepad controls are turned off <laughs> for no reason like mm why it's it's just this weird and to be fair that's probably more on capcom but like i feel like that's a thing that they should have just enforced to be like no like put this in as a function you know like it's really weird and i don't understand it i'm sure i'll get used to it over time but yeah it's bizarre uh but no uh other than that though and my wii u qualms uh there's one thing on Wii U that is objectively the best. That is Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE. Would you say it's Kawashitai? I don't want to break it. I think that's what that translates to. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a word that has transcended its meaning. Mm -hmm. I, I don't care. Yeah, it, it, it's translated a few ways. Like, I want to destroy, um, breaking through. No, it's just... Something is kawashi tai, you know? No, yeah, that's for reincarnation. Yeah. <laughs> Idols. Performa. So, that's a game <laughs> we've both been playing, and it's, uh... Are we just throwing out concepts now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but fuck it. It's form. Avatar Tuner. Um, oh, oh. I'm jumping the gun here. System. <laughs> uh... Megaton! Final Apocalypse. Wait, no. Uh, oh, why wasn't it called that? Final Apocalypse. Yeah, it was just a, it's just keep the final ad on Apocalypse. That would have worked great. No. That's actually kind of cool. <laughs> That's, it's in, like the dumbest way. It's it's not. No, it is. I, I want no, it now. Wait, hold on. Let's split the difference. Final Apocalypse. 
Okay. There we go. I made it less cool. We're, we're no, no, doing no, it. no, no. It's good. Okay. I'll, that, I'll take your word was, for it. That was like a Kojima thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, Death Stranding. Norman Reedus. Oh, yeah, Death Stranding. Norman Reedus and his little fetus. Hey, that looks really cool. I'll talk about it when we actually know something. Yeah, but it's not going to be as good as TMS's, though, so fuck it. So, yes. um... TMS is a masterpiece. It's objectively better than Nocturne. You can't text your... I mean, your... 10 out of 10, right? You, like... you can't text your friend in Nocturne. It's... Uh, there's no singing. In Nocturne. Yeah, there's no singing in Nocturne. Like, Nocturne shit. Like, let's just get that out of the way. TMS is just objectively the best Mega 10. Wait, did people actually like Nocturne? I thought that was just a joke. Yeah, I know. I thought that was just a, just a dumb meme. It's stupid. Seriously? Yeah. Man, they didn't have the the voices in Nocturne. Instead of yeah. just dubbing the game, they just took the voices out. Am I right? Yeah. How lazy. So. Yeah. <laughs> There's someone here listening to this. This is his first time. They're just really upset right now. That makes me happy. Yeah. Um. No, but yeah. Uh, TMS is really good. Like, I expected to like it. And, like, I know going into it that a lot of people were like, oh, it, it's a PS2-quality Megaton. But, like, I guess I never really took that super to heart until, like, I actually picked it up, and I'm like, this is up there. And, like, it, if it had come weird. out, If this had come out right after, like, Persona 4 and Raido 2, it would not feel like we skipped anything. Nope. It, it, it feels right, like, it feels so similar to that style. It's bizarre. Yeah. And it's like, man, I, I'm so happy we have another one of these, because, and I think a lot of people's opinion, like, PS2 era Mega 10 is kind of the peak of the quality of that series. And, like, in some ways I agree with that, in some ways I disagree with that. But, like, it's very obvious, like, it's high quality stuff. And, like, there's a lot of people that really do like the home console experience for JRPGs. And, like, Obviously, for bu budget reasons and like development cost stuff, Mega Ten's been more of a handheld thing for quite a few years now. So to have another home console like full blown re release before Persona Five is pretty fucking cool, I think. Yeah, I mean, before I go too far into like uh, my personal feelings on the game, I will say to to kind of address the initial reveal of the game. You know what I mean? Oh, everyone loved it. Yeah. Okay. So it's not. It's not Shin Megami cross Fire Emblem, you know? You said Shin Megami, by the way. I'm going to hold I that up. I realized that. <laughs> I've worked at GameStop too long. Yeah, it is. it's okay. You're not like the guy who works at the local one that calls it Shin Megs, so. Okay, so it's not Shin Megami Tensei cross Fire Emblem. It's a completely separate thing that has references to both, you know? Yeah. It is it go into this game expecting a new Megaton spinoff that's super light in tone. Don't go in expecting mainline SMT meets Fire Emblem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if yeah, if you just go into it expecting a light-hearted JRPG with legitimately good Megaton gameplay, then you're gonna get what you want. Yeah, and I'll say, like, there's a lot of concern with this game being like emblematic of the whole hey fire emblematic but doom no um of the whole oh well mega 10 is going the direction of persona and they keep trying to make everything more like persona i will say that this is very clearly the it, to the extent where the word performa is said in game as like an actual term that they use 
Um, it's very obvious that this spinoff is the one that most closely resembles Persona, but they do that in a way where it still is very clearly something different. And I'd actually say that most of the Mega Ten influence I felt uh, from this game, at least from a gameplay perspective, and I guess from like a tone, I'd even say that it's it's different enough from Persona, and that I actually think it handles a lot of very different themes. Like maybe the aesthetic is similar, but even then, like with the focus on the idol stuff, they make it stand out a bit more on its own. Uh, but it feels a lot more like Digital Devil Saga than I was expecting, to the extent where, like, in a weird way, this feels like the closest we probably ever going, like, we're probably ever going to get to DDS three, and I'm super all right with that. Uh, in what way? Um. So you don't have monsters, you have, like, a form you turn into. And the Carnage, like, fusion system is just the mantra system. And Carnage how, fusion. Like, you, you fuse the new weapons or whatever, and then you gain skills as, the, as like, this sub-XP bar fills up, and then you have to switch them out. So I'm gonna... I, you know what? Yeah, I didn't think of that. When I first played it, honestly, I felt that the that reminded me more of, like, the Magatama from Nocturne. Yeah, I could see that, too. So, yeah, I, I totally see it is kind of like Digital Devil Saga as well. Because when I played through it, like, man, I see influences from all of them. I, I see there's a bit of Digital Devil Saga, there's a bit of Mainline, and there's a bit of Persona. Like, the way the buffs work is more, like, in Persona 3 and 4. Yep. And stuff like that, where, like, it really does feel like they kind of looked at, hey, let's let's take what works from all the various spinoffs and do something new with it. Yeah. And uh, I guess my main thing was just, like, the fact that, like, you have set characters in a cast that have, like, forms then and, like, transform instead of, like, having the, the actual individual, like, critters and monsters and stuff. I don't know why I call them critters, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, the, the, those little critters. <laughs> those little goobers. <laughs> Yeah, um, that, that, like, that, but you want to know, actually, because, like, I was like, oh, this could, took a bit from, like, Mainline, took a bit from Persona, but the thing that's, like, okay, this feels actually more DDS to me than the other ones, but I do agree, they take stuff from everywhere, uh, was I ran into this situation, and, and they actually, they resolved this, but there's a point where I was, like, halfway through a dungeon, and it's like, oh, you learned all the skills you have available for this, like, skill, like, weapon slot thing or whatever, uh, you're gonna need to go back to base and then select the different weapon you want So you, if you want to progress your character more. And I'm just like, shit, I haven't run into this since DDS1, or, sorry, yeah. DDS2, and I'm like, oh shit, it's just, the, it's just the mantra system, what the fuck am I doing? Holy shit, that's great. Um, but what they do do is that, uh, you get these, like, passive abilities called, like, radiant skills or something, and one of them is just teleport back to base right away. So, like, you do lose your dungeon progress, but it's not, like, this giant walk back that's annoying, so that's nice. And so far, the dungeons haven't been too complex. No, like, it's really, like, they're more complex than, say, the stuff from, like, 4, which is just a bunch of hallways, but, like, they're designed just enough to be, like, involved and engaging, but, like, not super complex or convoluted or anything. And I, I actually really, I think it works out a lot for this game. Yeah, I mean, that like, hey, they're, they're better designed than the random stuff in Persona, but you're yeah. not getting, like, Nocturne dungeons here. No. At least yeah. so far. I'm only on Chapter 3, by the way. I, I'm a bit into Chapter 2, so. Okay. Um, 
yeah, the dungeons seem pretty good, but uh, man, that combat system's so good. It's so good. Um, the only thing I have really to complain about with, well, we can talk about the whole localization thing in a bit. Um, okay. but my main complaint is like the UI takes some getting used to. Um, I feel like some stuff just kind of feels small, and I don't, like I don't know, my my TV's decent sized, but like the the UI placement it it feels very it felt very busy to me at first and then like they add on a bit more shit and I was just like eh but like after a while it becomes more readable and you get used to it but like uh other than that uh no it, it feels great the combo system is amazing i feel like they're going to do more with it than what i've experienced so far because yeah. right now they have a thing where you exploit a weakness and then if your other characters have these passive abilities that will allow them to link on to that they'll do like a session combo thing i think they call it and so far for me that only goes up to two because while well, you have three party members that's that's your max for the party um and you, you hit you hit a weakness and then if both of them can link on it goes session one then session two oh good combo or whatever i feel like it'd be kind of weird to have a counter like that if it only went up to two so i'm sure later on there's going to be some stuff where that goes higher but i'm not sure yet uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want me to say anything, but... <laughs> uh, you can if you want. I don't really care. I don't know if the people listening care, but... Well, I'll I'll say this. I haven't run into that yet myself, but I've seen things in trailers, so... Okay. Th there's more to that system. <laughs> okay. Um. Also, too, I will say that, like, for anyone worried, like, oh, it's gonna be super dumb casual... Uh, play this on hard. Oh. It's it's legit Mega 10. Um, Yo, I I'll, I'll stop uh, you there. It's legit Mega 10 on normal. Oh, really? I, I never play through a game on hard my first playthrough. I always go in normal. That's because you suck. Hey, no, just, I, I want to experience the baseline before I get into the legit stuff. I'm flexing right now. Re replays will be on hard mode, don't worry. But no, um, like, man, that second boss, that that was, was a legit boss. <laughs> like, I died a few times are and you, I had to rethink. Are you talking the boss at the end of Chapter 1? Oh, no, no, sorry. The boss at the end of Chapter 2. Okay, because I almost died. Okay, uh, on hard mode in Chapter 1, um, if... Uh, fuck it, I'll just say the character name is not that spoilery. It's just the second main character. Uh, if Subasa's weakness just... Like, I was level 14 for the Chapter 1 boss. If Subasa's weakness gets hit on that difficulty, uh, she's dead. And if you have Raku Kaja, she's still bad. She's bad. No, yep, she's bad. No, she's still dead because then the the little like additional, like the ads just will then session attack her. And and that's one thing I like too is the end like kind of how enemies can press turn and nocturne or something. If the enemies have passives that allow them to link on too, they can session attack too. And like just I was in this boss fight where it's like man, I have a party member that if they just get they can just die at any minute, and that can totally ruin. Like and also when someone dies, you really feel it because there's only three party members, so it's a it's a problem. Um, Especially and, when there's like five enemies and you're like, damn, now I'm not gonna get another turn before they go. Yeah, it, it's really, really like if someone dies, it's rough. And I had I had like ten of those curry things or whatever, and by the end of that fight, I used like six of them just on reviving her, and then like I think uh, Toma died one time or whatever, uh, and like I. The only reason I won that fight is because she had just a little bit health left, and she she was like her next turn, she was gonna revive her little uh like the her assistant enemies or whatever, and I would have just been completely fucked and probably died. 
and I, I had just enough uh, of that bar filled to do one of those special attacks, and I barely won the fight by using that at the last minute. And, like, that just felt so rewarding, and it's like, holy shit, this is, this is like, real Megaton gameplay. Like, this it is great. Is, and honestly, uh, hey, maybe slightly controversial here, um, it's harder than SMT4. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, so far for, I can see that. A, a lot of that, too, comes down to the fact that, like, hey, the enemies are pretty well balanced, uh, at least the bosses, a lot of the little enemies or whatever at first. Um, the bosses are pretty difficult, and then the way they do the buffs, like Persona, you can't exploit it, so... You don't have the ability to exploit buffs as much as mainline, but the fights are harder than in Persona, so it kind of makes, like, this pretty decent challenge. That, uh, like, you know, maybe not as hard as Nocturne, but pretty decent. You want to know one thing, too, that I... Because the problem with SMT4 is your character grows way too fast compared to how that game can ramp up its difficulty. One thing I noticed is, um... At least so far, like, as you level up your Carnage, like, weapons or whatever, and you gain more skills, they do the same thing as SMT4, where if you if you were to learn a skill that you already have, it just levels up that skill, and it, it takes away some of the SP cost that that skill has, and also increases the damage a bit. But because you don't have, like, a team of demons that you're just, like, constantly leveling up, you don't level up those skills quite as fast. So, like, I'm done with Chapter 1, I have, like, Zeo plus 1. And I don't think that that's going to be upgrading that often. You know, like, I think it's going to be more of, like, an event when that happens, other than, like, the status quo. Because the thing with 4 is, like, if you wanted, you could get some cheap demons that had some skills you wanted to, like, level up. And you could just, like, boost that out real quick and get, like, plus 8 or whatever. <laughs> like, I, I mean, the thing with 4's difficulty is, like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think I've said it before on this podcast, SMT4 is one of my favorite games of all time. I love that game. Um, Same, I love that game too. But but like th in terms of the difficulty, even like towards the end of the game, you get like okay, uh, here's this boss fight at the end of the game. Let me do debilitate four times, uh, luster candy four times, attack its weakness, and the boss fight's done. Yeah, and yeah, you much. can't really, at least so far, you, it seems like you can't do that in Tokyo Mirage Sessions. You gotta actually plan the fight out better than that. So. That I'm looking forward to hoping that difficulty keeps going, and if it's as challenging as it is on normal, I am really looking forward to that hard playthrough. It's it's pretty, you know, the only thing I, I well actually, so one thing I want to say while we're on that point with the buff debuff thing, uh, like, buffs and debuffs are just as important as, like, they always have been, but also too, I feel like they... Like, you don't get as much mileage out of them. Like, they're super important, and, like, it's just the traditional, like, oh, they last for, like, three turns or so. But, like, it feels like you don't get as much out of that as, like, you normally would, but they still help a lot. Like, th uh, they're not yeah. broken, and, like, they're still useful, but you can't, you can't just rely on it as a safety blanket anymore is, I think, the big change, and I think that's great, so. Honestly, it kind of feels like buffs no longer give you an edge they bring you up to par yeah no i i agree with that like even i i had a point where i was like okay i got raku kaja up rakunda on the boss teru kaja oh i'm i'm playing the game now okay yeah and then subasa started dying and it's like oh well now i need to focus on reviving and healing and i can't have all those buffs up at once mm, mm, this is bad and like like I said, barely got that one through by the skin of my teeth, and that was such an adrenaline rush. I love it. Um, like, yeah, they, it, 
like and like i've been kind of shitting on some like reviews and stuff on tw twitter where it's like oh this is a great build-up for persona 5 it's like fuck you it's a different game it should be respected and such completely different that being said, I really hope that a lot of the gameplay and, like, combat design stuff they have going on in here uh, is stuff that they're going to take into future games. Because I think they figured out a lot of stuff here that's really great, and I would not mind seeing being brought over into other games. Like, like how buffs and stuff are handled, I would love seeing in, like, maybe Mainliner, Persona 5 even. Persona 5 would probably work better. Yeah, I'd love to see in Persona 5. I kind of want Mainline to at least stay with the press turn system and the way buffs work there. Because yeah. I do like stacking my buffs. It's just may maybe make the enemies balanced around that at least. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. And also, too, you know, also, I hope... I don't know if Final fix this. I fucking hate how in 4, like... <laughs> one of the things with 4 that I'm like, oh, okay, is um, you get to a point where you realize that because how buffs and debuffs works in 4 is it's like you can go up to plus 3 or minus 3. Uh, so what you would do is you would take your characters up to plus 2 and then the enemies up or like uh, down to minus 2. And <clears throat> excuse me, down to minus 2. And they would never decaja or decunda at that point. Yeah. Because you didn't hit like the cap. And it was super exploitable, and once you figured that out, and it's not too hard, because you, you just kind of notice after a while, oh, if I bring them all the way down, they just undo it. But, like, if, if you play around a bit, it's like, oh, well, I can just completely fuck them over whenever I want now, and it's not fully, or else they'll heal it, but fuck it, it's good enough. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know, I just really like how buff debuffs are handled. Um... I think they do the three, like, uh, I don't know, you're not very familiar with Fire Emblem, are you? Uh, no. Okay. I've, you... played, I've played the first, like, maybe half hour of Awakening, and that's it. Okay. So, did you did you catch that the three physical types are, um, references to the weapon triangle? Yes, that that's that is one of the only things that I did catch. Yeah, I, I I thought that was cute because it's like there's an enemy in the first dungeon that's like it's like called a dark barbarian or whatever, and also some of those enemy names and stuff are like uh, references to like fire emblem classes and stuff like that too. And it's like, oh well, he has axes, so if I use my sword, he'll be weak to that, and sure enough, he is and stuff like that. So that's really that's really cool that they carry that over. Um, but yeah, it's just it's really fun. Uh, the only difficult, um, or sorry, uh, one real quick. The only thing I have to complain about for hard mode so far is uh, I think they mess with encounter, or uh, sorry, escape rates. Um, I've only had it happen twice, but it seems like getting hit by one of those savage enemies is just an insta game over on hard, which kind of sucks. But <laughs> hey, it's pretty close to one on normal too. So. Okay. But yeah, um, I haven't successfully escaped from a battle yet, which I, I don't try often in RPGs, but it's like, man, that escape rate really sucks early game, apparently, on hard, so. I think there's an item you can get later that guarantees it. That's good. Um, that, okay, so, hey, all the praises in the world about the battle system. I do have a few complaints about the game. They mostly are just kind of nitpicks that don't really add up to much. Um... So we mentioned the text messaging when we were doing our Nocturne bit. Yeah. Um, hey, that th that dialogue in those text messages, great. R really love it. It's fun. It's funny. Stop texting me. Yeah. There, There's a few points where I was in a dungeon, and it was just like, always remember, you can take a break and go back to heal if you want to, and it's like, yeah, f 
fucking know Michael or whatever her name is. <laughs> Literally, like, all right, I'm going down into the next floor to rescue this person. Text message, we need to rescue this person. I yeah. know I'm literally doing it. Yeah. Um, there I, was a part, I noticed that, too. There was a part where I had to get up and walk away from my game, and I didn't pause it or anything. I just left it running, and I came back and had, like, 12 text messages just oh from God. all the other characters going, like, hey, keep fighting. We're doing good. Yeah, it's And then there's much. a part... There's a part where you're talking to a character in a side quest, and the second you walk away from him, you get a text message from him going, where are you? I'm waiting at the place. Oh, fuck off. Oh, man. They need... Oh, I really wish that they had toned that down a little bit, because I don't need all those messages popping up. Because when you're just trying to do Megaton dungeon crawling... It's super distracting. Yeah. Just hearing... Oh, text message. Gotta look down. I also hate how, like, you can't just pause the game and, like... Well, like, you can't pause the game, but, like... I I play with, like, the little stylus thing, like, usually in until I need to touch control. And, like, I don't like using my fingers on, like, console touchscreens or whatever. Um, so, like, it's just like, oh, I gotta pull the pen out and then tap the thing again to advance the text. It's, like, just doing that over and over again got kind of annoying. Um, I do like that they do text you notifications for when you can get another uh, Carnage Unity thing. Uh, and, and stuff like that's really neat, but also, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff that's like, you can do it, big bro. And it's like, yeah, leave me alone. It is also a little goofy, too, that, like, they they update you for whenever it's available, even if you've already gotten the update for it. Yeah. Meaning, like, I ran out of materials. I ran out of, like, the basic, like, star materials thing, and then the next time I got one, it was, like, ten notifications of, here's all the weapons you can make again. Oh, jeez. Like, oh, okay, thanks. Uh... I also, it's super anime, whether yeah. you like that or not, it's up to you. It is super anime. No, I laughed my ass off at two different points. My, They're both, like, early on in the prologue. So after, like, because there are, like, Fire Emblem heroes that are, like, your, your mirages, which they fuse together with the human they're partnered with to enter this thing they call a carnage form, and that's how you fight in the game. You, you basically become a Power Ranger. It's dumb. I love it. Um... And, uh, also, like, there's just full-on Sailor Moon transformations. It's fucking funny. Um, but, like, there's a point where, like, because they, the ones we've been introduced to so far, they started off with, like, kind of brainwashed and evil, and then the main character connects with them and then saves them. Uh, and, like, there's a point where the main character, Itsuki, is talking to Krom, who is, like, his mirage, and Krom's like, oh, I should thank you because with the, you, you brought upon the light to save me from the darkness. And I'm just like, fuck off. This is... <laughs> oh, that's... Oh, oh. That's oh. so good. Mm. Yeah, also, too, I really... So, Subasa, she's, she's pretty much the main character, actually, honestly. Itsuki's just kind of there. He's the everyman, you know? Um... There's a point in the prologue where they're, they're doing a thing where it's like, okay, why do you want to become an idol? And she's like... I was really depressed, and then someone really believed in me, then I became happy again, and I want to show people that they should be happy, and that I want, I want to cheer people up too. And I'm just like, man, I can't believe the answer to getting away from crippling depression is to become a stereotypical anime person. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the story, I, I will say, I think the characters are great, the main story itself is schlock but it's it's oh, fun yeah. so i don't mind but yeah like if you want like if you want something like dds or nocturne writing quality 
you're not really gonna find it here. Ain't getting that here. Yeah, um, it's 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 Kingdom Hearts level schlock, but like I can understand it, so it's better than Kingdom Hearts. But whatever. Um, I, I will say one thing real quick too. I know a lot of people initially were like, "Oh man, you know, I love anime, so I would like it if it was anime." But I'm just not sure how I feel about the whole idol thing. Um, I I'm not into idols, and I think it's fine. Like, you don't really have to be into idols to really enjoy it. Yeah, I don't. I honestly, I give zero fucks about the idol industry or anything. Like, I don't get it really. Um, which obviously there's a cultural thing there, but like. Yeah, I, I don't I don't like that music. I don't really like it's not my thing. Um and See, like, I like the music, I just don't care about oh, idols. No, I, I don't like I, I can't stand most Vocaloid songs, most idol songs, I'm just like the, that's a thing. Like I don't really hate it, but like it's not my not yeah. not what I generally listen to when I'm cruising down the road. Um But like yeah. Uh no, actually that that story kind of hit me in a weird place where a lot of that story so far is talking about expressing yourself and creativity, and to the point where not everyone involved with, like, they say idol, but, like, not everyone there is, like, a singer. Like, some people are, like, actors and, like, do other stuff like that. And it's really more a game about creative people expressing themselves and finding their inner voice than it is so much about the singing and dancing and stuff. And that... That to me was kind of the part where I'm like, okay, there's there's more here than just the surface idol stuff for people that want that, and like this game actually does have some sort of like theme or overall message, which I thought was cute. So, so what you're saying is that you awaken to your Reaper names for Forma. <sighs> oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, that's real good. Um. <laughs> I'm really upset right now. Holy shit! Hey. Um, no, uh, yeah, like I don't know. It it's really weird as someone who's like puts super stock in like oh yeah being creative and stuff. I'm like yeah, this, this is really cute. This, I should make more dumb YouTube videos. Is the overall message I'm getting away from from TMS so far? Yeah. Um, it, it's you know generic feel good plot with some legit gameplay. Yeah. Okay, you want to know something real quick that I laughed at last night as, like, I finished it up? Okay. So I want you to imagine that... I'm not going to spoil this for people that haven't played it. I want you to imagine you're getting Persona 4 and, like, you're getting into it for the first time. And then they set up this thing where it's like, oh, there's a murder mystery plot and, like, who's the killer? And that's, like, a major thing and you're like, okay, that's going to be what the rest of this game is about. Then after, like, the first chapter, they're like, oh, the killer's that guy. Oh, but that's solved. <laughs> I don't know if you know the plot thread I'm talking about, but they introduce a thing where I'm like, this is going to be what the whole game is about. And then it's like, oh, no, that's just chapter one. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, that was easy. Okay. Was... Yeah, no, I, I totally know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, wow, I expected that to drag on a lot more. Yeah, no, that, that's resolved a lot faster than you think. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, okay. Um, you built that shit up, um, like, really hard. Um, yeah uh okay yeah no it's fun um actually this is real quick the models are kind of goofy i got yeah, used to I'm, them i'm I, not sold on the whole way they look they look goofy and like i kind of love their expressions even though they're like kind of bad but like so how do you feel about the whole way it shifts from like regular cutscene to like in your face visual novel 3d model thing I don't like that. It feels it, really it weird. It feels really jarring and weird. 
like I feel like I, I, and like this would probably be weirder but like I feel like they should be like 2D portraits in that mode like I don't I don't know but like it it's I don't understand like why those are there they just they feel super out of place and like I don't really get it I guess yeah I, honestly like it's kind of like I really think it it was an attempt to emulate that whole visual novel one-on-one -on -one thing. Yeah. Because it's like, hey, get intimate with this character. But man, I'd rather it had just been a cutscene. And, and like, stuff. the reactions and stuff are super exaggerated. And, like, the, like, little emotes yeah. and stuff they do. And, like, sun, like sunflowers appear, like, if it's Animal Crossing or something. <laughs> yeah. Also, just me, I'm, I know for a fact a lot of people will disagree, actually, but... Kinda, kinda would have preferred if Itsuki was a silent protagonist. He doesn't really have much of a personality, so I I'd feel, rather have been able to put my own in there. I feel weird because I generally would have agreed with you, but like, I kind of had this weird reaction to it, where it's like, since Mega Ten, like, we get a lot of silent protags. I, I thought it was kind of nice to just have one that's like, kind of just talking just because it's something different you know but yeah like he could completely yeah. uh, honestly i'd go even further than that i kind of feel like he should just be cut and subasa should be the main character um, i mean that would be but then who would be the waifu if we're the waifu yeah I, I, honestly though that i think that's the main thing which is like just make a game for girls like <laughs> I, I feel like they are attempting to reach this idol and like it to be fair in japan the, the idol thing is not so much like a lot of people here seem to think that the idol thing in Japan is, like, primarily, like, a girl-driven thing. But, like, there's a fair share of male fans, too, for that sort of oh, thing yeah. over there. Uh, oh, <laughs> more than a fair share. But, like, it, I mean, it does have a female appeal to it that, that undeniably the rest of Megaton... Well, like, Persona has a sizable female audience, obviously, but, like, Mainline and other series tend to be more of, like, a male-driven... Or male-oriented thing, I guess I should say. But, like, I mean, you had the chance just, like... Make Subasa the main character and just. I mean, I, do I it. definitely would have preferred Subasa be the main character, but if we have to have Itsuki, or however you pronounce his name. I think it's Itsuki. Because, like, maybe I would have been okay with him if he was anything other than generic anime protagonist. His descriptor in the profile menu is just every man, and that says so much. It, it's like they, they gave him the same amount of personality as they gave their silent protagonist, so just let me be him then if that's going to be the case. To the point, too, and I don't know if you've played around with this at all, if you do the second, because the dialogue options happen, and generally the, the first option is like, oh, the nice heroic thing to say, and the second option is either like, uh, and like kind of, it's either the dick option or the nervous or confused option. Like, it's it's either good guy, perfect human being option, or like, slightly flawed option every single time. Most of the time, if you pick that second option, he'll say it, and then immediately cut to, oh, but, and then he'll say the first option anyways. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, definitely. It's like they just added a second, like, text box onto the first, like, it's like, it's literally like they just added a text box in between, right before the dialogue choice and the first dialogue choice anyways. It's really weird and forced. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it's the thing where it's like they, I feel like they did this weird like half and half thing where I, it may have been better if he had either more personality or if he, they just made him silent, but they went for this like this weird everyman, like, he just feels really bland. Honestly. He feels like an anime male protagonist in yep. a series that's about having a million waifus. Yep.
And also, too, in a series where it's like, man, everyone's focusing on being creative, to have a guy that's like, yeah, I don't really get this whole, like, idol thing, and, like, I kind of don't want to do it, but I have to, because apparently the more creative you are, the stronger you get. So you, he's basically forced into becoming, like, an actor-slash-idol. So, and he I don't doesn't know care. about you. I don't know, first of all, I don't know anything about this game's story, I don't know where it's going. I can see where that's heading a mile away. Oh, same. He's gonna be so, super, super great at it, and he's gonna love it. Um, no, not not just that. I I know what he's going to be in the end. Oh. I mean, it just it's just a guess, but I see it coming a mile away, and I guess I won't say it because I'm so confident that I'm right that it's a spoiler. Okay. I actually don't think I think I lost you actually, but I feel like it, with some thought I'll know exactly what you're saying. But like for right now, it's escaping me. Um, I'll tell you later if you want. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's very, it's a very generic plot, but it's, but it's hey, fun, and, legit. yeah, also, it doesn't take itself seriously, it, it knows what it is, and it has fun with it, which I think does leagues in improving that, it, it's self-aware enough to get it, um, and, like, even then, like, I, I, I have a general rule of thumb with stories for anything, if either your main narrative sucks, or your characters suck at least have the other thing be pretty good and that'll balance it out and i think this is a case where it's like the main narrative eh, but the characters are really good and to be honest i've i've felt that same way about when i played persona 4 where i'm like i don't care much about the actual story of this game but like these are some pretty cool characters and like that's kind of what got me through that game and like i, I think that's a fair way to write a story like you can focus on different things and tell a good story with it so but uh yeah um do you want to move on to the hot button issue? Alright, I guess let's do it. Okay, can I start this off by saying... In a very mature manner, I guess, before we probably start firing shots. Um, I'm very upset in that the conversation for this game's localization has managed to address so much minute shit that honestly, unless it was a huge controversy, I wouldn't have even noticed rather than some stuff that's actually kind of eh. And, like, I, that's a very subjective thing, I guess, but, like, th there's something you referenced that, like, I think is pretty bad and I've seen other people complain about, but, like, I can't believe that, like, the fact that, like, outfits have changed have somehow become more of an issue than, hey, the dialogue in battle just doesn't have subtitles and you don't know what they're saying if you don't know Japanese. That, that <laughs> bothered me... <laughs> And, like, that's that, a problem. <laughs> that bothered me in the, like, initial English trailers, and I didn't say anything because the noise was so loud from the other shit going on. And, like, I, I kind of hate to say it, but, like, it, like I, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, but, like, TMS is, like, just, like, this thing that's kind of come out as, like, this is going to get really depressing, but it's kind of, like, part of this huge thing of being a little bit disillusioned with some JRPG, like, player base maturity stuff, I guess? Where, like, there's this huge outcry about this shit that just doesn't matter. And I, I guess I want to even start earlier than that. The whole reveal of this thing from being, and this is, I think, the main core of what bothers me, the whole thing was revealed, revealed and people were like, oh, god, fuck, this, it's like this really generic anime, like whatever thing and i was like guys guys let's just wait it out gameplay is probably going to be great and lo and behold here we are 
But, um, fuck it, I was right. But, no, but, uh, even other than that... I, I mean, I'll, I'll admit, before you go a little bit further, I don't mean to cut you off, but I was a bit disappointed at the end of Sword Reveal because it wasn't what I wanted, but then I gave it a shot, you know? Yeah, and a lot of people didn't. But what pisses me off even more than that are the people that didn't and also complained about it being this super-duper, like, ew-gross idol thing. And then as soon as they started changing the costumes and stuff to be a little less revealing, they're like, wait, what the fuck is this? It's like, pick one. Like, you know, like, I would think you'd be happy about that, but I guess not. Um, no, and like, it's it's really a thing where like, most of those costume changes are just so minute in the actual game that you wouldn't even really notice most of the time, I don't think. Um, but I think, and you've said this and a few other people have said this, I think the problem even more so than just like the costume changes, like, they can be inconsistent with what got changed and also like some in some scenes a thing is changed and then in another scene it's not and that is i think pretty lazy and an actual problem yeah it it doesn't really make much sense when they've got a cut scene where uh there's random fog over cleavage and then the next scene there's not it's like why why did you put the effort into doing that instead of putting subtitles into the fight you know it's really weird too how like I feel like what, like, I gathered, because it's really weird how, like, they decided what they wanted to consider appropriate and not, and, like, I, f I feel like there's some minor inconsistency there, but what I think most of it turned out to be, at least this is my grasp on it, having played through what I have, I feel like because Tsubasa in the original Japanese was, like, 17, well, they aged her up to 18 in this one, um, but then they also were like, okay, we don't like that a lot of her idol stuff is like a bit revealing so they changed that um but then everyone else just seems to have like i mean i know there's like one dungeon that like a lot of the context behind it kind of got changed to be a little more tame uh in the western version but like there's other characters that are older than subasa and it's just like we don't care if they show cleavage and it's like oh okay so i i think they were really just worried about the reaction to her because she is like they outwardly say oh she's a high school student and i think they were wanted to play that one very safe and i think that's where most of those changes came in from yeah i there's a few that don't make sense but i definitely think that is the overall thing i mean hey i, I played through that dungeon that they changed a lot of stuff in and i'll be honest if it if it had been the original version, it would have felt a little sleazy, you know? Yeah. And um. That being said, like, I just want to put out there that, like, I, I don't judge anyone for what they care about. Like, if you care that something got changed and it bothers you, I'm not, like, you don't have to feel bad that you cared that that got changed. Just realize the, the level of reaction be self-aware of the hill you want to die <laughs> i guess I mean, it's like, hey if it really bothers because like i'll be honest like it's it's easy and and, I, and maybe i'm going into off the rails here but it's easy to see people getting worked up over like i can't believe they changed this 17 year old girl's panties and be like oh man i'm gonna write off everyone that has any complaints about these changes it's easy to do that but like I'm sure there's plenty of people that, like, on a moral level, like, no, I don't care about these changes, but I just don't like the idea of, like, censoring things like that. It's like, hey, that's not, I, that's not me, that's not what I care about, but 
I'm not gonna write you off because of that, but just like maybe step take a step back and like a- assert what you really want to focus on and what you want to spend your energy into. Because like if you're getting into huge fights over this, and if you're gonna not play the game because of it, maybe like you know is that really that big of a deal and i'd say i'd even say like if, if you're not like if it is so important to you that you're not gonna like you decide like oh i was gonna purchase this game but fuck you now like that's fine just don't make an ass of yourself doing that i guess like god knows i've not bought games because of like stupid shit like not stuff that became like a big controversy or anything but it's like oh well like this game doesn't have this mode i usually like well fuck this game I'm not buying it even though it might be a good game or whatever like you know you, you get to choose what you spend your money on what you want to support um but i do think to some extent like it, vote with your money then like if it really bothers you that much like make a statement by not purchasing the thing and like maybe if you want to voice your complaints as to why to like people who like are i don't know like people that could influence that do it in a very considerate and respectful way and like don't harass people over it you know like and like the very unfortunate reality this is kind of getting to what we're like talking about earlier is with how stuff on the internet works nowadays like you're always going to no matter what the issue is you're always going to generally form these two massive sides that generally like will agree on set principles and then those sides will clash and it just gets messier from there uh that's kind of just how the way it's always been and i i think that's a shame though honestly i think it is but i feel like as in a post 2014 gaming social media world yeah. it's inevitable now with stuff um and... but so i i don't know maybe i'm just going a little too middle of the road with it but like i i feel like in any situation like that there's got to be people on both sides that have good points at some point yeah but it's so easy to get caught up in the us versus them mentality that it's like well I'm not going to listen to anything you have to say. And it's like, mm, you know, maybe I should. And I, honestly, I'm guilty of this. That's why I'm kind of been thinking about it lately. Cause like, man, I, I have written off a lot of people that maybe if I had listened to them, I would have, I, I, I would have maybe at least understood them if not agreed with them. And I kind of feel like, Hey, maybe the other side in this case is also there where like, I see some people like, I can't believe anyone would buy this game to support this censored product. And it's like, hey maybe we just want a fun game you know yeah like i i think it is a thing too where and this is part of my thing on it is like it's i think it's very obvious from the way we've been talking which side quote unquote we fall on but like i think there's kind of been a thing where like i've seen a lot of discussion and stuff where like there are people like well I don't really like the changes either. It's just I'm not going to throw a fit over it or, like, act in the way these people are about it. And, like, to some extent, like, I kind of agree with that, where there's some stuff where it's, like, I don't really even really care where this that this got changed. And, like, to an extent, like, if I was in charge of it, I probably would have just left it alone because, like, eh, whatever, you know? Um, but, like, yeah, it's this weird thing where it's, like... I don't know. Like, some stuff, it's, like, is it a little bit silly that got changed? Yeah, but it's, like how important that is to people has been very <laughs> divisive and like yeah everything doesn't need to be the new big controversy yeah and like also to your running this stuff too where like there's that statement that just came out of someone who like worked on the game where i think it was a GameSpot article where they're like hey well th there's been a lot of they basically asked a question about localization it's like 
how do you feel about your product be or like you know your your artistry or whatever being changed when it's brought over to different places and the guy was basically saying well localization is all about optimization and making a product that's right for that region to make as many people happy with it as possible and like it's like this weird thing because like you get this whole thing of like is it really like censorship in a way if like the original creators approve of it and they think it's a good change for that region like or or does that not matter and is it, would you rather just have it be what the japanese original creators wanted for japan and like it's this big mess of like i, I mean like the ultimately you have to reach at some point where you realize like hey and i know this phrase has been thrown out a lot but like localization is not translation yep and big difference there the the main like hey start off small you have to realize like you can't just translate text like every, you we as as english speaking uh people will never get that experience that the japanese got it no. has to be changed we, we don't have the context for it and we don't have the language for it and if you want a really good experience that's pretty modern and relevant of why that doesn't work look at that fire emblem fates fan translation patch that like was made because people were mad about the localization compared to the actual localization it's so stiff and boring as a result it's really bad <laughs> honestly i i thought as like a as like a culture we had already understood this with didn't we go through this with like a final fantasy 6 patch like years ago i think so like... i remember like years and years ago there was a like direct translation final fantasy 6 patch that came out that was like hey, I hate how changed the Final Fantasy VI translation was, so I'm going to make a direct translation. And the overall community was like, hey, that's cool, but man, this is really dry and dull. Yeah. <laughs> but, I like, yeah, taking it a step further, like, some some creators, when, uh, when they want to bring a game over, they just adapt the script. And some of them say, hey, as a cultural thing, I, I don't think this Japanese thing works in a Western context. And... Whether you are okay with someone doing that and whether you're not, I guess that's a decision you have to make yourself. But a lot of people would prefer things changed because, like, man, this has been going on since the beginning. Like, games from, like, Nintendo era changed on the way over here. Yeah. And, like, you get into other shit, too, where, like, the very sensitive topic of underage sexualization here versus Japan, there are very different, like standards for media and that um and like th that's a been a big thing with tms compared to even other nintendo games i'd say um and then one thing i guess i will add to is like i feel like this whole situation i'm gonna, I'm gonna use the word again emblematic um has been kind of emblematic of this whole uh I guess this weird like push and pull that like games into a lesser extent I think I've seen like comics and I guess I'd even throw on like tabletop role playing like just these more nerdy forms of like entertainment that have kind of been slowly in the past decade or two more being brought into the mainstream acceptability like sphere you know um and like sacrifices like this or I, I guess it depends on if you consider it a sacrifice or not um, but, like, changes like this and compromises to some extent are going to need to happen if people still want that to be a thing. Um, and, like, it's really unfortunate, but, like, you have to realize if you were to handle most people 
on the street in America, like a Vita game, like a v like a Vita JRPG, there's a lot of stuff in there that wasn't changed from like Japan to here that will just turn those people off completely. And like to some extent, it's like, well, you shouldn't just change the entire game to make it like this wide appealing thing and alienate the people that would originally want it. But at the same extent too, you do need you should probably make changes if you if you really care about like spreading out like and becoming accessible there are some cultural things that just won't fly over here that fly in other places and that's kind of like a unfortunate reality of all media yeah i mean it's it's definitely a situation where like i i can and i know i've said this earlier but like i i can even if i don't agree i do see some of the points the other side of this debate want to make and it's like yeah you're like i i understand if you say like well i don't care about that i want to play the game it was originally designed as and it's like well if you want that you have to understand then that like the medium won't evolve yeah you know it and we have we have to choose one way or the other we we can't you know have both i feel really shitty for saying this but like i feel like it's an elephant in the room i'd be really I I would love a world where we could have this like localization and like how much should be changed until it's like a completely different thing artistically in a world where Gamergate didn't just happen like a year ago um and like it's the unfortunate reality where it's like I I can like like you said I can see where people are coming from and also too I'm, I'm gonna say it I I know some people when like I some Fire Emblem stuff was happening and some other like, like I know some people from, like, Japan or whatever that are, like, in a way, I kind of feel like this is some washing of traditional Japanese stuff that maybe isn't great, but is very inherently Japanese in favor of, like, American stuff. And there's, like, a... For, for some of my Japanese friends, that was, like, eh, that's kind of a weird racial tension thing. And I never even thought about it that way if they hadn't have referenced that. I'm like, yeah, I, I can see why that would be a problem for someone. Um, I, I could also see, like, how someone from Japan would look over to something like, oh, wh- what the fuck did our Americans do to, or what the fuck did Americans do to our thing, you know? Like, there could be some uncomfortable undertones there, but, like, I'm really upset that a lot of this conversation hasn't been so much that, and more so, what the fuck, my vagina bones are missing, though. Yeah. And it's, it, like... It's interesting, too, God. that, like... <laughs> man, you know, it's interesting that this is such a controversy right now, because it's, like... It's such a controversy now because it's sexualization stuff that is being changed, but I did not see this much, of, and there's a little bit, but not nearly this much of an uproar when the entire plot and protagonist of Nier was changed. Yeah, that's, maybe just because, I don't know, well, I, I guess I, was there as much of, like, uh... I, I guess since I'm very unfamiliar with Nier, I will say, is there is there a sexualization thing in there, or is the point you're trying oh. to make that when it is about sex, it's a different opinion than if yeah, it's yeah, just Yeah, yeah, the, the latter. When it's about sex, it's when it became about sex, I do sex agree and sexualization, with that. it became a big deal, because basically the only thing with Nier was that in, in Japan, it was kind of like a younger be shown in male, and then in the Western release, it became a gruff old dude. I I do agree with that, and I think it's very bizarre that a lot of the conversation regarding translation stuff has been about sexualization, and, like, to some extent, like, I think that's kind of sad, because I feel like a lot of people that 
want more faithful stuff to the original um or at least like less edited whatever you want to call it um i guess faithful is probably a good word like I feel like, yeah, I'd, I'd understand a bit more if this was brought up more frequently in regards to stuff like that where changes were made, and it's not about violence or sex. Because, like, people are like, oh, well, they changed the sex and violence stuff because they need to censor it and, like, make it kid-friendly or whatever, but, like, there is stuff that gets changed in localization all the time that just kind of gets changed. Like, I know some Fire Emblem Fates characters, they just change their names for no reason. And, like, if those same people that were arguing about, like, oh, my vagina bones, though, were like, oh, why did this dude's name get changed? And, like, brought stuff like that up, I'd be like, yeah, I, I can see, you know, like, I could respect that argument more, you know? But a lot of it's just like, no, I want to see anime tits, and it's like, is this, like, like I said before, is this really the hill you want to die on, you know? <laughs> it's, it's weird. Like, I, I feel like as we... I feel like as the video game industry goes on and on, like, there's going to be more... I think this situation will get better. Like, I, I think, if anything, if changes are made... I, I think the pro the big problem with TMS that I think people on both, like, sides of this debate have is just there's a lack of at least perceived consistency there that's really weird and kind of picky and choosy. And I feel like if... I think everyone would be a little bit happier at least if... If they did make changes, they were more transparent about why, in a way, and yeah. also were a bit more consistent with what gets changed and what doesn't. Because as of right now, it's sometimes it's like, oh, you can't see tits in this frame, and we're gonna we're gonna fog that out. But right here, it's perfectly okay, and it's like, yeah, I, I mean, why? whether you whether you're okay with the fact that they made changes or not, I think it's kind of hard to deny that the changes weren't well done. Yeah, and like it's. It's weird. I guess I should say even like some changes because like there are there are some things that they did change and it's just like oh this is like an outfit and like a CG and like that's consistent. But like yeah, hey, then there's other stuff. Hey, that outfit that replaced the bikini I think is way better. Yeah, same. And like yeah, there's it's stuff like that where it's like it's, that's that stuff is consistent. Like in my opinion, yeah, that I I think a lot of the changes they made to some of the outfits were like oh I I actually think that looks cooler. Uh, again, that's a subjective thing. Like, some people would look at some of those changed outfits and are like, I actually don't think this looks as good or whatever, and, like, that's totally fine. But I, I think, like, when you do have, like, a thing where it's, like, we're just going to very inconsistently change this, at, like, within the same scene sometimes even, it's, like, that's not great. <laughs> like, it's not very good. Um, so, yeah, hopefully as, like, like we said, as the industry, like, moves on with stuff like that, it'll get better um it's i feel really bad that this conversation has devolved into the maturity level that it has i i feel like this conversation had the potential to be a really interesting and like analysis and look at this sort of thing and different opinions on the the way culture should be adapted into other cultures but it really it it can't be that right now and that's kind of a shame I feel like it kind of got co-opted by horny kids, and I think that's a really, like, I yeah. think that's kind of a shame. Like, man, if you care that much, there's, I'm pretty sure you can Google hentai sites. It's not my thing, but if you're looking for that, they're <laughs> they, they probably do exist. out there. Yeah, I, 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 I haven't looked for them. I'm fairly certain those exist. So, like, just, just fact to something else. Like, shouldn't upset you that much. Um...
but yeah, like, I don't know, that's, it's been stupid, and I hope, I hope as the game is out now, and like, it's, it's a fucking great game, like, all this shit aside, like, even what we said about the localization, yeah, sometimes it can't be great, and like, oh, the, the battle dialogue isn't subbed, and that sucks, like, I'd still say the localization overall is pretty good. I think the way that they handle the characters and their personality quirks and stuff has been really great so far. I I, lo I really like the writing and stuff. Um, yeah, those text messages are amazing. Yeah, all oh, those text messages are great, even though like even if they're too frequent, like yeah, stop texting me. Yeah, but the texts are great. Yeah, like the the characters definitely type differently, and like you can kind of just tell like if you were to just remove the little profile picture and just have a text like you could probably get like a good grasp of uh who the character was which is really good that's a good sign of good writing um and like even just like the the lack of internal consistency and stuff like that aside i don't really think that like those problems for me personally in the grand scheme of this 60-hour RPG is really that big of a thing. I, I think this is a very small part of the game that has been blown up very large, is what I guess I'm trying to say. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I would recommend anyone, like, even if it does bother you that they change things, at least give the game a shot. Don't let that deny you a game that you might love, you know? Yeah. And I guess, I mean, if it really does bother you that much, like you said, you you can choose not to get it. That's perfectly within your right as well. And also, this is not throughout the possibility. Maybe you do get it, and you do, like, look at it, and you're like, nope, I still don't like these changes. And, like, that's that's okay, too. It's just, don't be a dick about it, and don't threaten yeah. to burn down a treehouse that is not a real thing that exists. Just, hey, maybe, and I'm gonna, you know what, if I can never go on the internet again after this so be it maybe just maybe video games aren't the most important thing in the world <laughs> whoa hey i love them you know hey in some ways my life maybe revolves around them a little too much but i don't want to start a revolution about them yeah no like i i i'm just gonna say it too like i feel like also too just have your opinions and then it's it's very easy to fall into that group mentality and stuff but like just don't feel the need to like tag a bunch of your opinions with like a really stupid hashtag that like i think in many ways is just going to devalue your argument in a lot of people's eyes and it like it, fuck it, i'm just gonna stop dancing around it i feel like if these are real concerns for you and like you actually really don't like these changes and you want to make like a, a grown-up like stance on this don't do hashtag torrential downpour hashtag gamergate as like a thing just like it makes you look childish it makes you look very childish and at this point so many people and, and like even even if you're one of those people listening to this right now, which I, I kind of doubt at this point, but like if you're one of those people listening to this right now, and, and you're one of those people that are like, oh, but like it's just don't understand. We've been made to look out like we're like we're bad, and I don't know why I'm going to like a Rorschach voice right now. But like if if you're one of the people that are like, no, we've been misidentified and misheard and all that, like. We're at a point now where so many people have had negative experiences with both, like, hashtags like that, and, like, people that... And even if not, 
the hashtag itself, people that identify with that hashtag, you're better off just making a stance as like a thing and just being very respectful and saying, hey, I'm not a fan of this and I wish this wasn't like this. Yeah. Instead of throwing a fit and getting into like the horde about it and like harassing people. <laughs> I mean, hey, conversations are great. Even debates are great. Like, I would love to have a legitimately good argument with someone about this topic, but like, once you start like getting snarky with your hashtags and like, you turn into this us versus them, gotta make it a big fight thing. I don't care, you know? Yeah. I don't want to deal with that. That's not what I'm into this medium for. Yeah, and I mean, even, like, I, I, I kind of threw out, like, a snarky tweet or whatever. Oh, like, it was in respo like, response to that interview thing where it's, like, the, the like I, I pretty much said, like, the people that created this game don't give that much of a shit about the changes. Like, what's the point then? And I actually had some good, like, discussions with people that are, like, no, I don't agree with that. And, like... A lot of them were kind of dicks, not gonna lie, but, like, there are some people that, like, it's like, I can see where you're coming from with this, and, like, it's good that we can have an adult conversation about this, and that was really nice to see. But, yeah, like, it's a shame that there's a significant number of people that have to be, like, petty. They're not great about mm. that, but I guess that reflects, to some extent, the state of the video game culture thing, it, I, if you can call it that, I guess, I don't know what else to call it, um, and hopefully that improves as people stop being 16, I don't know. <laughs> um, a weird time. You know, honestly, like, I, I really think maybe a lot of them are older than you might think. No, the, I, I, I believe that, too, like, that's just kind of a dig, but I, I think there are people that are just have shitty attitudes which it's yeah. unfortunate and you'd like to think it's just because of youth but no there are definitely people that are definitely even older than i that are you know not great about stuff which is unfortunate but um i i really i i want to see you know i early i like i said the thing maybe video games aren't the most important thing in the world but they are important to me and i love I want to love the community around them so i would like to see us get through this thing and kind of move forward you know it, it, it is a thing too where I, I do think that a lot of this and i i see it like i i'm i'm zach you know i'm not super into comics but like with this and tabletop like i said it's very clear that these things are becoming more accepted and they're not as much of like a niche like they're still very much niche well maybe not video games but a lot of other stuff and like as these things become as the people that had these as kids and were like made fun of for like enjoying them and like as they grow up and like this is becoming more of a normal thing for a lot of people like that are at least younger and as time progresses this will they'll probably be a lot more mainstream than we think um like i think it'll get better but to some extent as it gets better there's gonna be that knee-jerk reaction of I don't like where this is going and i don't even want to say it's more of a like a, oh it's a it's popular now it sucks but it's like there are going to be those people that just don't like the changes that are made for things to be a little bit more accessible for people that maybe don't fall into the traditional game demographic, I guess. Yeah. So that's... And you know what? Thing. Let's be real here. Let's just, like, cut through all the bullshit. There will always be games for you. They're not going away. Yeah. Like, hey, some things will be changed. It, it It's going to happen. But there are always going to be the companies that don't want to do that. And, like... For every Tokyo Mirage Sessions, there's, like, a Dungeon Travelers 2, you know? Or a Criminal Girls. Yeah. 
So like or Sunrun Kagura or like <laughs> those are out room, there. There's room for all of it. There's room for trashy games and games that want to be less trashy. So like maybe don't flip out when a game comes out and isn't as trashy as you want it to be cuz like we we can all coexist, man. You know, I'm also going to throw out there. I think like in the case of something like Tokyo Mirage Sessions 2 compared to like DOA Extreme 3 Full Boost Extend Eyes of Heaven or whatever the fuck they call that it's very clear that the sexualized stuff that was in the Japanese version wasn't like like there's not there's not much like intent or like that's just kind of like a thing that's like part of the visual style of that game like it's not like this major important element or it, it's to a biggest extent, it may be a selling point for some, but that's not, like, a big point of the game compared to, say, like, a Dead or Alive or a Senran Kagura or something that's yeah. specifically made to be titillating. It's more of a side element of that original game. Like, it's not a big focus point. Yeah. Toku Barrage Sessions was never about bikinis. Yeah. Like, there's a Hot Springs DLC thing, but, like, that's just... It's DLC. It's, like, yeah. Um... No, I don't have anything more to say, really, I guess. No, yeah, I just... Don't um, be a douchebag on the internet, just... Yeah. I'm a douchebag on the internet, I could probably be better about some things, but, like, man... <laughs> ooh, there's... Just everyone, just take some deep breaths and be nice to each other. This this conversation came at kind of a weird time for me, because, like, I I, I was super... Like when this whole like like hey let's when this whole Gamergate thing started, I was super hard on like the man fuck those guys fuck everything about that fuck everyone that agrees with anything they say and I've kind of recently been like man you know what maybe maybe I was also kind of a dick you know maybe I judged people too quickly just because they had some opinions and I'm trying to be better about that but like it's hard to when there's so much surrounding it that's just so ridiculous and so extreme and overreacting and and also too when i click on one of their profiles and also say fuck yeah ban all muslims trump 2016 and that's like a frequent thing that happens a lot i yeah. like i'm sorry i just can't like well I, I think at this point and again hey you know what i'm not afraid of fucking no one gives a shit about who I am. <laughs> yeah. I'm not afraid of, like, anything like that. So I'll say, I, I think at this point, like you said, those hashtags are kind of... Even if you think that you want to identify with them, the well has been poisoned there. Yeah. You'll be better served speaking on your own as, like, an individual saying, hey, these are my thoughts, and if you want to debate me, let's debate. You know? that That's a way better way of going about it than fucking, like, kill Nintendo! Yeah, and, like... Goddamn social justice warrior Illuminati. Only reason oh, that the game's gotten good review scores is because there's a conspiracy and everything's been censored. Hey, if you think that, then I got nothing for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like... No, it, it's it's sad. And I, I do legitimately feel for people that, like... You know, there's someone out there maybe that, like, has seen something shitty in the world. Like, God knows I don't fully like everything that game journalists do sometimes and i know game journalists that don't fully like where game journalism is sometimes but like there's a way to constructively go about changing things in a way that you would like and i think at this point it's very clear a lot of the hashtags and like movements that we've kind of been shitting on 
are not very invested in doing that so much as they are just kind of being shits. Yeah, no, I mean... Which is sad, but, like... And, and, like, if you're one of those people that are, like, you know, in that situation, it's like, maybe... Maybe get to a point where, like, be the change you want to be, you know? Like, don't just reform, kind of take a deep breath and be mature about things. I don't know. Yeah, no no one's gonna take a screaming child seriously is kind of the bottom yeah. line. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the thing. It, like, I don't know. I, I feel so, I, I hate that entire situation just because, like, I I feel like that whole, like, movement and that ilk like set it to some extent video games like opinion like uh, i don't know I, I guess i will say like i i know like various people in academia have said before that the whole like gamergate situation thing has actually like negatively impacted how that medium is held as like a thing people take seriously like critically and like it's kind of embarrassing isn't it yeah and like Man, was it really worth it? You know, like, <laughs> I feel like it did so much more harm than good. And, like, there's no denying the thing that it turned into is pretty gross. Like, just move on with your life and <laughs> do something else, I guess. I don't know how else to put it. Um, I, I mean, also, like, there, A... There was sexism tied into that whole thing from day one. It, I I don't think that ever had a chance of, yeah. of shaking that. Yeah. So let's, you know, hey. <laughs> you know, also too, I I do want to make this point because I think this is very valid. If you're one of those people that we're talking about, where it's like you you feel like you have legitimate points and like you don't feel like you're a shitty person, be the person who also when someone that is like with you, but is also just so happens to be sexist or racist, be the person that calls that person out. Be like okay, if we want to be taken seriously, you can't be like, oh, kill all Muslims. Like, you're not going to get anywhere aligning yourself with people with worldviews like that. And, like, you're never going to be taken seriously. And, like, I hate... I, I don't know, I feel weird saying this, but, like, I feel like video games just kind of as a thing and, like, as kind of a creative industry, there's, like, a lot of... A lot of the main institution of it right now, like, tends to be more liberal-leaning and forward-thinking than that. And just if they see, like, racist or sexist shit, like, on your timeline, or, like, that you associate yourself with people that are kind of of that ilk, you're not going to be taken seriously, even if maybe some of the points you have are fair or valid. Like, call that shit out and just be like, hey, if we, if we actually care about... <coughs> excuse me. If we actually care about this, maybe we need to clean ourselves up and maybe be a bit more professional about this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We if we're gonna move forward, it has to. It, it, I don't know. Like, I feel like we've kind of said all we can say on the subject, but yeah. like, I I want to see video games be taken more seriously. I want to see the medium move forward, but at the same time, it. I I don't know. It it's, it's difficult, you know, because there's there's only so much we can say when. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know what you mean, like, I feel like we've said, basically, don't be, don't be anything that's like a, like a hyphenist, don't be that, and like, if there's, if you feel like, 
Just be respectful. Make fair points. Don't be a dick. Just don't harass people. Don't like. I, I mean, like it, you'll be taken more like, seriously. <laughs> if if you're, I I have to imagine no one's listening to this that's like this. But if you're someone that actually is like harassing someone and being like a sexist douchebag, and you think you're justified. You need to reevaluate some shit, man. Also, stop listening to our show, but yeah. um, <laughs> um, like, yeah, like I don't know. It, it's it's blown on to it's 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 gone on to such a point where it's like, I think this whole like divide thing is here to stay, and it's to be to be honest, to an extent, I feel like it's always been there, just never had a name. Like you've always had your 4chan and your Reddit and like your Tumblr and like like twitter and like all these different communities and these sub communities within those communities that have like had various different ideological views and standpoints and standards and stuff like that and the certainly this never had like a name but then 2014 happened like there's kind of this it's it kind of the boundaries were made clear then i guess for the I average think that's person such a shame though like at the end of the day too like this it's really silly that we're having this in depth of a conversation about like people being mad about video games, aren't we? Like, yeah, I, I mean, like that's the thing. Like I said earlier, it's not the most important thing in the world. It is like, hey, it's a, it's a big part of people's lives. It's a big part of my life. But like, I I don't know. I feel like there's something. I feel like at the end of the day, this discussion isn't actually about video games. No, I, I yeah, like. I mean, I saw it just today where, um, I'm going to give a shout out to the channel I really like. It's it's more of a comic and superhero oriented thing, but they talk about some fantasy and just like general like geeky stuff that I, I really appreciate. Um, it's this channel called Geekvolution. I, th I think I may have even referenced them before. And uh, it's just like a, a seven to nine person team or so that like they just will talk about superhero stuff or like comic stuff and stuff that they've been reading, TV shows they've been following, sometimes video games, um... Like, they're, they're admittedly not super into video games or anything, but they, they talk about them sometimes. And it's it's just, like, a very, a very like, neat little review show that's kind of taken off in popularity a little bit since, uh, like, I started watching them a couple years back. And with, like, you know, the boom of superhero stuff recently, they've been getting more and more popular each day. And uh, the person who, like, leads that channel just recently put out a video like, hey, um, people have been really, really, like awful in the comment section and i mean like let's be honest like it's youtube that's bound to happen no matter what but like i i could see where he's coming from and it's like yeah that's it's really crappy and then i i scroll down to the comments and immediately like the first two i see were like being like man i hate this political correct sjw safe space bullshit and it's like he doesn't like he wasn't even saying that like you're just throwing that on there like you know like and also too like there's a comment about like oh i can't stand this evil communist and it's like where are you getting this from like <laughs> i'm yeah. so confused like yeah like to an extent it, it is it's very obvious that it is an ideological and like political thing that has also impacted video games more so than just being a video game exclusive discussion but I, I do think for the medium as a whole, it would be maybe a bit better if... I, I don't want to say take the politics and ideological stuff out of that, because I do think that's important, because like it, it obviously has... A lot of people have different views on that. But I do think, too, that if everyone kind of like was self-aware, like, hey, 
what will this mean for the overall thing that we all enjoy and is this going to be better or detrimental for everyone in the long run i think we'd be maybe a bit like better off than we currently are now with online discussions but also at the same time that's asking people on the internet to be mature which will never happen so right this entire long conversation has been for nothing we're all gonna die because he death of the universe oh good night everyone no um <laughs> i mean okay i just like real quick the last thing is like we talked we, we we've got on about like a couple of different mini topics in this thing but like at the end of the day what i want for video games is for it to be more inclusive Same. and a lot of people when they hear the word inclusive they react so strongly to like oh that means the thing i like is going to be gone no it, it means the thing that you like will be there but that also the thing someone else will like that wasn't there before can also be there. And there will be compromises made on both sides in that. And people like, hey, I, I get you. I, I was picked on when I was a kid because I played video games. People thought I was a nerd loser. I'm sure everyone, lo like I, I guarantee almost 100% of the people listening to this, like probably in the same boat to some extent or another. Yeah. And, and it's like, when I think about that, my reaction is not to then want to make other people feel that way. Yeah. I, I can't stand it when someone that is clearly bitter about the fact that they were made fun of for liking video games and now see someone that they don't think is worthy of video games liking them and wanting to have their views appealed to in video games, then make that person feel the same way they were made to feel when they were younger. It's like, don't you kind of yeah. see what you're doing? Yeah, like, it, it's mm, it's weird. Like, and I do I do think like that's that's the end all be all in the day is like, pick and choose your battles, pick and choose what you really care about. Like, for for like you said, if we really want true inclusivity in games and for this to like grow and like. Excuse me, and let's be honest, there's a lot of people that actually don't want that, but it's, in the long run, it's better for everyone for that just because, like, I mean, come on, like, why not, you know, like, why not share this thing you yeah. enjoy with everyone else? I think that's the main thing at the end of the day, and, like, if you truly want that, and, like, I, I think we should, but you may disagree, but whatever, like, if you truly want that, like you're going to have to make compromises in some form or another. And I think that's kind of just how... I think it's, like, a little bit like maturing in real life. There's some things that maybe about the adult world you don't agree with, but, like, got to just kind of move past it and accept it, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And that's just kind of how life works. But, yeah. You know it's less serious than Gamergate? What? Emails. Oh boy. <laughs> let's, let's move on from that. That was a good conversation. I don't think either of us expected to have that going into this. No. That was really good. I'm really proud of that. I think that's like actually the highlight of me having this podcast so far. Hey, that's that that pretty I, good. I, yeah. <laughs> that, that was pretty good. Maybe I, I, I could have, if I was a little bit more prepared to have it, I could have uh, maybe. Oh, that was totally off the cuff. Yeah, I, I wasn't. Yeah, I, I could have maybe worded myself a bit better at the beginning, but I I feel like we got there in the end. Yeah, I, th I think we did it. We did the thing. Let's just, let's just have this be our final episode. Fuck it, we're done. We're yeah, ending on a high it's, note. It's the end. This is over. <laughs>
Yeah, so now that we had a really good conversation and then proceeded to pat ourselves on the back like assholes, let's go on to emails. Um, all right, so this one... Uh, let's, I have not read any of these. Uh, this one's from Mr. Ramos, um, and he wrote this in a really tiny font. Don't do that. Um, oh, do it more. Ugh, fuck you. Um, what is it about the Dark Souls series that makes those who play the games bring them up whenever possible in conversations? Mm. This is actually, you know what? It's it would be so easy for me to go. Oh, it's just really good. But no, this is a thing, you know. <laughs> it is, and like, <sighs> like to some extent, I do want to say because, like, like you said, oh, it's really good. And I think if you look at the big the, the big hitters in games like Ocarina of Time, Final Fantasy VII, I say those two in particular, and that's because when I was a child and got into games, those were like the big ones everyone talked about on the net you know like th those two are always going to be like when i think of oh games that are big games that everyone compares other games to like when i was a child that was like the first two games i had that experience with because that's when i got into gaming like mid 90s stuff like that um but yeah like skyrim is another one that comes to mind with every open world game gets compared to skyrim you have the famous far cry thing like oh yeah it's, it's skyrim with guns or whatever and like Every platformer is probably compared to Mario by now, like that's or Mega Man. That's another big one. But yeah, like Dark Souls has seemed to have this effect like times ten. It's really weird. Um, I, I want to say it's because in a way when Dark Souls, well, Demon Souls, but like people, Demon Souls made a splash, but not as big of a splash as Dark Souls did. Mostly probably due to the fact that it's a bit more of a polished game and also multi-platform. Um. I think it's just honestly because of like how well designed it is and how in a way it's really weird because they take a lot of traditional action RPG stuff in that game but they there's a lot of new stuff in there like that online system at the time there was nothing else like that um you I mean you I guess you could say you had a lot of dark fantasy stuff at the time but nothing that kind of handled the story in terms of like the lore like that did that was mainstream like there's just a lot of stuff in there that people I don't think experienced with games before and now that other things are some things are influenced by Dark Souls and other things it's just oh this reminds me of Dark Souls so it's like Dark Souls but like I think for a lot of people there's a lot of experiences within the Souls games and it's their first time ever experiencing something like that in a video game. So that's the one they latched onto and is now the default comparison point, whether or not people like it. Yeah. I also think, too, um, beyond that, uh, a lot of people, when they played Dark Souls, would say something like, oh, this is what I've been waiting for. Yeah. A lot of people felt like this is the game that is their game you know a lot of people will be like hey my game is ocarina of time that's i always go back to it i always play it that game is perfect for me a lot of people felt the way about dark souls so i think when it when a game is so clearly like that's my game that's my favorite thing it's always going to be brought up more than others mm -hmm. uh yeah that's also he says to play persona 2 and then something really small text that i'm not going to bother magnifying and Watch Diamond is Unbreakable. Well, hey, I watched Diamond is Unbreakable, and I'm gonna play Persona 2 eventually. So I'll I will take also your continue my Persona 2 playthrough. Not not recorded, but like on my tablet. Oh, I have a tablet, which is really nice. I think I talked about that last time. I can emulate. 
Yeah, I think I did. I really like that tablet. I can emulate PSP games on it at full speed. It's really, it's really neat. Um, but yeah, I'll do that eventually. Now that I have that, and uh, I read Diamond is Unbreakable, so I'll watch the I'm good parts. I'm watching it because I'm watching it because I'm an anime only noob. Yeah. For now, we'll see. It's okay. It's, it's probably better that way. Um. Thanks, Mr. Ramos. Ramos. Rhombus. Mm, we got low energy. Yeah. Well, it's because we, we had the one conversation that solved all problems. Yeah. Honestly, I think video games are safe. Like, yeah, I think, I, I think we did it. I like the episode really isn't weird. out yet, and I think it's already happened. I think we might as well just title it We Saved Video Games. Just Yeah, we did. Just like the Grinch Saved Christmas. Yeah. I mean, How Wasp saved video games. Yeah, I mean, the Grinch is kind of a shit because, like, he ruined Christmas before he saved it, so, like, it was kind of a problem that didn't exist that he made, so I think it's more like how the Grinch re redeemed himself from an eternity of hell, but I, I don't know, This that's just my that's just my controversial game theory. I'm gonna wash my mouth out with soap now that I said that. That was, that was quite, that was quite amazing. I, all of the good content that could possibly be used in this podcast was used up in our last conversation i'm sorry yeah um okay this one's from john uh any games you had trouble getting into your first time that you really enjoyed on a later try didn't we just talk about this before we started recording we did holy shit that's weird um okay well anyways he's saying uh the subject says all of the question uh if you just want to read that um this was on my mind with the system shock remaster kickstarter going on and my first time i couldn't bear through System Shock 1. Uh, I got to the reactor level before giving up, then after playing System Shock 2 and loving it, I went back and gave System Shock 1 another try with a fresh mindset, and I really enjoyed it. I was even better the next time I played through it uh, a few months ago, too, but uh, that isn't related to the uh, question. Or, sorry, it was even better, not he was even better. He, he didn't become better at the game, though I'm sure he did, but that wasn't part of the original email. Um... Has this ever happened to you guys? And I have to ask, what changed? Also, are there any games you didn't enjoy in the past that you think you might be able to turn around on if you were to try again either right now or sometime in the future? Um, I'm trying... I know there are. Like, I've no, I know there are games that just I didn't get. And, like, later on I did. Um... I tend to remember the games more where, like, I got it, and then, like, I can't, like, there, I played a lot of games as a kid or whatever, and then, like, I was just too young to really fully appreciate, like, that's part of the reason I think Majora's Mask is a very special game to me, is I, I played that game as a dumb child when it came out, and then I played that game again later as, like, kind of an angsty teen, and, like, that game played very differently for me, and I appreciated what it did a lot more at that time, and having recently replayed the 3DS version as an adult, who's not a little shit anymore like yeah like i i really appreciate what that game does even still and like every time i play that game in a different period of my life i appreciate it a bit more and more but even when i was a child i appreciated it so i don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna do the the, the wasp classic and turn on my light so i can see all my video games real quick while you do that i'll uh i'll go ahead with mine okay um so quick little mini story time uh Gonna talk about the Soul series again. Oh, uh, oh God! Oh no, we're doing it. We're doing. Can't escape it. Um, well, the first time I watched Daredevil, I got halfway through and got kind of bored. And no, I'm joking. But carry on. Uh, so 
when I so when Demon Souls came out, I actually just bought it because me and a friend were looking for games to play together. So I kind of bought Demon Souls as like a co-op thing with my friend. I didn't really know much about it at the time. So we played through that game co-op and it was like, yeah, this was this was fine, kind of annoying, but okay. And then Dark Souls came out and he was like, hey, let's do it again. So we started again and it didn't really work out. It kind of fell apart halfway through and then it reached a point where it was just like, let's just play these games solo. Yeah. Um, so I actually took like a, like a year to go back to it even. And then I went back and played through Dark Souls and Demon Souls again. And that's when it clicked for me. So like there's kind of maybe not really what you were looking for in an answer because there was a specific reason in the fact that I was playing them co-op at first that I didn't really enjoyed it but not that much and then when i played through it solo it really clicked for me um the other question of a game that i think i would like more now than when i first played it not 100 percent sure but i really want to give final Fantasy 12 another shot because when i played it that game did not click with me at all i didn't like it and i never got the, all the way through it and when i look back on it i feel like i could appreciate it more now so i'm gonna give that game another shot at some point I, I liked 12 when it came out. I think that is a game that is... I, 12 is really weird as a game. Um, I, I think everyone agrees the story's pretty solid, other than, like, everyone knows Vaughn was, like, a forced protagonist, and th that kind of makes the story a little... It's kind of a damper on the story, unfortunately, but, you know, yeah. the, the rest of it's really well-written. But yeah, that gameplay is weird. Um, I really can't wait for that HD version that's coming out because it's the Zodiac International Oh, I forgot thing. about that! Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, I'll play it when that comes out. 2017, I think. Pretty sure. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I really... Hey, I'll, I'll give an update when it comes out, but I, I think that game will click with me this time. Yeah, I we'll uh, I haven't played that game in, um like, a while. But, like, I mean, I played it a long time ago, and, like, I, I liked it when it came out. I'm not a fan of, like, the kind of MMOE combat, um, but, like, I, the writing was so good that, like, I didn't really mind. And from what I've heard, for all intents and purposes, that, like, the international Zodiac job thing, the, the Ted Cruz version, um, made that game play a lot better. And also, they added, like, a fast-forward button, which in the HD version, you can uh, now configure how fast the fast-forward button moves. Oh, which, nice. Which is pretty neat. Um, yeah, I'm looking through my game shelf right now for games that, like, I just didn't get when I first tried, and, like, I don't know, I'm not seeing anything. I know there are, though. Like, I've definitely played games and just, like, went back to them later and I appreciated them more, but just, like, looking right now, I don't see any that, like, I, I can't remember. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, games that, like, I could go back to and probably appreciate more. Hmm. I feel like I have some that I just can't, once again, I just can't think of. Um, but it is interesting that, like, you uh, referenced FF12 because, like, um, I've, I've seen, like, a recent trend in, like, uh, a few years where a lot of people have been going back to um, 8 in particular uh, and saying, yeah, I like that game more or whatever. And, like, you know, that, that game is often people say, like, oh, that's the one I didn't like or whatever. Um, hey, I loved that game from day one. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> I, like, I think 8 is, like, for me, it's, it's like, okay. Um, I used to not like that game a lot more and then, like, some other Final Fantasy games that we also disagreed on the quality of came out. And I was like, oh, okay, it's fine. 
or eight is okay or eight is fine i i fucked up that sentence super hard sorry um it's fine we'll get it right in our final fantasy episode you know, that happens. oh yeah building up to that the tension is real no mm-hmm. like it's a thing and like antinomi we've had on the show before is like i i think his stance on it is like oh he likes eight until like the second disc happens and from on gets kind of weird um i kind of agree i don't know i i feel weird about eight because part of my stance on eight is like i feel like i like all the characters in that game that aren't renoa and squall and like i don't (laughs) that's a problem yeah and like i like the supporting cast i just renoa's fine i guess but like i never really cared for her and like squall and the localization like everyone's kind of in like it's very infamous that like the way he's been treated in the localization of that game is like they kind of made him a bit more angsty and emo um and i i i guess i never really liked him uh as that uh i don't know how else to put it also like my lamp just like died and i'm kind of upset oh i'm sorry it's dark i'm i'm trapped in the darkness and i don't have any light it's key saved me (laughs) No one's gonna refer to you in the past tense. Nope. Hey, someone. Oh, there we go. Let there be light. Mm. I did it. Listen to... to a new performer. We are finally electrocuted live on air. No, I, I did What the fuck happened in this episode? <laughs> oh, no. We're, we're just talking at this point. This hey, is great. This is. If you wanted to ever see the highs and lows. Yeah. Also, too, if you want to email us, email to wearefinallyemail at gmail.com. I should stop forgetting that part. I've been forgetting often. It's not good. Do it. Yeah, but I referenced it now for all three people that are still listening to this. Hey, if you are, you're a trooper. Yeah. Are there any more emails? Yeah, there are. Fuck yeah, there are. There are four more. Yeah, let's get high energy again. Okay, thank you, John, for your email. That was a pretty good one. Um. Oh, I just realized who this one is. Oh, okay. Well, that I'm stupid. I should have just called you by your other name, but oh well. Um. Oh. Yeah. Um. This is from uh Matt, who we had on when we shed all over the Star Wars prequels that episode. Um, where would you rank Tokyo Mirage Sessions? I I can't say that word. Tokyo Mirage Sessions. There we go. Um, in terms of your enjoyment with other Megaton games, and where do you think it belongs on the Zelda timeline? Mm. Okay. You want to go, or...? Yeah, I think it's going to take place right after Skyward Sword, like two years, give or take. Okay, okay. But before Link's Awakening, which takes place three years after Skyward Sword, as confirmed by the Hyrule Historia. Okay, so, like, I disagree with you. Um, I think that's fucking stupid, actually. I think it's pretty clear that Tokyo Mirage Sessions is a retelling of the same legend that was told in all the other games. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, there's no timeline. Just get over it. I mean, it's all bullshit. Like, it's all bullshit. If it does have to fit anywhere, it's pretty clear that it's a sequel to Wind Waker. Yeah. I mean, after, after they rebooted it and they made Dante into this like emo little fuckboy, I think they've, they've kind of shed all over the canon and it's just ruined at this point. It's just anyone ruined. who took anyone who took the Tokyo Mirage Sessions timeline seriously to begin with is come on. 
Yeah. I, for one, am a fan of the fan chart going around that is just a bunch of diagonal lines that all coalesce into a giant circle where turn A, where, uh, turn a Gundam happens. Oh, man. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you understood everything we just said, bless your little heart. You're, you get the sticker for the day. Fictional timelines are stupid. I love, I love them. them. I love them so much. I, it's Digital all, timelines is one of my favorite things. It's almost like my most popular video is me being a little obsessive shit about a timeline that doesn't matter, that I still get annoying YouTube comments about and people DMing me on Twitter. Aww. <laughs> yeah. I, the amount of people that want to add me on Skype so that they can talk about their Persona 1 playthrough is astronomical. It's... I appreciate it, but also, like, dude, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. Like, I, thanks for the offer, but, like, I, like, three years ago, um, we'll, we'll be on it. Yeah, it was for five, though. So, anyway, um. All right, yeah. Uh, no, uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions uh, ranking. I'm just going to start calling it TMS because I, 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 I want to throw in an H in there. Sessions. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm going to call it Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp F-E. Oh, there we go. Um. What? I said, oh, there we go. But no, oh. just carry on. Okay. okay. Hey, edits. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so I'll I'll go ahead and take this first then. Um. With the caveat that caveat. Fuck words. Um, Damn. with the acknowledgement that I'm only at chapter three. We're just skull face now. <laughs> I'm only at chapter three, so I'm not finished with it, so I can't give my full opinion yet. As of right now, I mean, I don't like it as much as any of the main lines. Uh, sorry for ruining the Nocturne bit earlier. I don't like it as much as Nocturne. Oh, I don't either, but um, I just like making angry people that actually care really angry. For um, things they shouldn't be angry about. Yeah. So for me personally, my taste, it doesn't reach anywhere near mainline. As far as the spinoffs go, uh, between Devil Survivor and Persona, uh, I um I opened up Mega Ten Rankings TXT. Mm. Um. Oh boy. So, uh, I've had this file for many years. Um. So I think at this point. Uh, Devil Survivor 2 and DDS 1 are kind of tied for my favorite for different reasons, but, like, I still consider Devil Survivor 2 probably my favorite just because, like, I don't know. I think I, if I had to choose between DDS 1 and Devil Survivor 2, I think I like Devil Survivor 2 slightly more. Um, so Devil Survivor 2, DDS 1, DDS 2, Nocturne, SMT 1, SMT 4, Persona 3, that, that's kind of, like, my ranking. Um, and that's not in terms of, like, objective game quality. That's just, like, here are my personal, like, connection, which is why SMT1 is really high up there, because I like that game a lot. Um, on that list so far, and keep in mind also, too, I'm just barely a ways into Chapter 2. Um, if it remains this quality, I'd say probably... Hmm... I'd say probably below Persona 3, but higher than Persona 4. So, like, pretty up there, but, like, at the same time, 
Like, like I, I like it better than the older stuff, but, like, in terms of all, like, the, like, current stuff, it's just, uh, if, if the story itself was a little bit better, I think it, it'd go even further up from there. But, like, it, it's good, and, like, I enjoyed a lot, and I think it's, like, a solid 9 out of 10, but just, I think a lot of Mega 10 is a solid 9 out of 10, and just... There's some other stuff, like, I prefer. And, like, I could point to every single one of those games and be like, there are things in here just thematically that, like, like as much as I'm like, oh, I really like the, the whole discussion of creativity that they have in TMS, I can point to what Nocturne says about cycles and, like, the world and humanity, and I, I like those themes more. I can point to Persona 3 and, like, how they talk about death in a super interesting way, and, like, that's kind of just more of, like, a personal preference thing of mine. SMT1 I just find as a fascinating as a video game that came out in 92, um, and, like, just stuff like that, so... But, like, it's... I... Honestly, though, I... If someone... Uh, if someone straight up just told me like i think tms is my favorite if not like top three or like i, I could see someone being like oh it's my it, i like it more than nocturne or dds and i think that would be a completely valid thing just like i wouldn't agree but i would understand yeah like yeah like i don't agree with it either but like i think that's a completely valid like i i could see someone making a, a case for like yeah i i just enjoy this a lot more especially too like Maybe you like Megaton gameplay, but you're not so much a fan of, like, the darker or more serious stories that the other ones have. Oh, yeah. You know what? If you love Megaton gameplay and you've always wanted one about idols and pop and happy, good feelings, man, if you had a game... Man, I, like... I feel really bad Amanda doesn't have a Wii U because, like, she kinda is in that boat where, like, she does Well, she doesn't really care for Persona 3 and 4, but, like... I don't know if she, like, super cares a lot about, like, the darker storylines of, like, the Megaton stuff, but, like, TMS would be perfect, but no Wii U, so. Well, I guess you just gotta buy her one. No, fuck you, no. <laughs> it's not happening. It's not, it's not happening. <laughs> I hope she's not hey. listening to this. So, I don't think anyone's listening to this at this point. No. Not even oh. her. Yeah, I mean, if we're getting into, like, specific games, uh, probably Nocturne, SMT4, maybe SMT2, uh, Digital Devil Saga 1 and 2, Devil Survivor, Persona 3, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, I'd have to think about it more, but, like, that's kind of the general flow. Oh. SMT1 is in there somewhere. I like that game a lot, but not as much as you. Yeah. Oh, no one likes SMT1 as much as I do. Um, I, I think I'm not done with SMT2, but I think I like SMT2 more than one, so. I I think everyone does. <laughs> like, I mean, there's a lot people. of little there's a lot of little things about SMT2 that get on my nerves, but I think overall, man, that game is real good. I'm pretty content with being the devil survivor to an SMT1 guy. That's fine. Some someone needs to I'll, I'll be those. the SMT2 and Devil Survivor 1 guy. There we go. Hey. Devil Survivor 1's poo and SMT 2 is pooer. Oh no. Oh. I'm gonna hate you now because of your opinions on video oh, games. Oh fuck you. <laughs> Trump 2016. How could how could this have happened? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> video games are stupid. 
<laughs> All right. Episode, man. <laughs> no, we're, this, 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 this is a great hashtag content we're making for the... Oh, the, hashtag content! For the people of the world. That's, that's another potential name. <laughs> <sighs> if you're listening to this, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I love um, you. Yeah. If you're listening, thanks. If you, yeah. We're, we're, we're doing it. We're trying. <laughs> Okay, this is, this is from Dr. Stein. Thanks for the email, other person. Matt. Yep, Matt. I shouldn't call you yeah, other. I should. I love how the one person I frequently talk to on Skype and Twitter on a regular basis, I'm just like, yeah, fuck you, other person, you know? I'm just really enjoying talking to them right now. Yep. Oh, yeah, that came out. I played 999. That was a thing. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just want to reference that. Um, this is from Dr. Stein. Hey, guys. I love the podcast, and I also love the COS podcast. And, Rosin, I know you're done the Megaton fandom. I have done the Megaton fandom. It was kind of a kind of a one-night stand situation. It's pretty whole awkward. Fandom. Yeah, the whole thing fa- <laughs> got pretty messy. Um, but I endured. Um Anyways, but since the podcast is about video games in general, I might as well ask this. Anyway, would you like if the white from SMT4 became a mainstay in main SMT series and took the form of the people the protagonist knew in the game? I personally would like they stayed. P.S. Sorry if my grammar or spelling is trash. Well, now don't we feel like pieces of shit. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I don't really care. Like, okay. So the question was directed towards you, but I'll answer it as well. Um, I think that's a pretty neat idea. Uh, part of me kind of feels like it'd be cool if they just stayed an SMT four thing. Uh, but I do kind of like the idea of if they show up, they take the appearance of people the protagonist now. Yeah, it's it's kind of a thing for me where I f- I would be slightly afraid of if they show up in SMT five where it's like okay maybe this feels a little bit forced because like they were such an integral part of four that like them being a mainstay would maybe feel a little awkward at first until we get used to it, but at the same time too like, I mean if they showed up like I I thought they were a neat idea I think it's a good way to show that neutral can be just as extreme as Law and Chaos can and that can yeah. also be just as bad. Um, I'll, I'll say this: If they do show up again in SMT five, I'd want it to be fleshed out to an actual ending. Yeah, like let's not forget that the original the original idea of neutrality in SMT one and SMT two is that, well, you killed everything, and things are better now. But you killed everything, like that's kind of what those two endings are trying to get at, and that got lost as the series went on a little bit. Um, and I think the white are a nice little comeback of that in a way, um, just a little bit more upfront and maybe not as subtle. <laughs> um, but like the the whole omnicidal, like kill them all, nineteen eighty nine world is a fuck, uh, thing, really works as like a narrative device for showing that hey, there's some bad stuff to neutral too. That yeah, I wouldn't mind if they showed up more. Um, but also too like if they didn't show up ever again, I'd be. I want to. I don't like now that like I think about it. I don't even know if they're 
like a thing in SMT4 final, but like that might be neat because you know we just have a lot of factions at this point in that universe. So who knows? Maybe maybe they're around, but yeah, that's that. And thanks, Doctor Stein. Thank you. Uh, this is from uh Saul, or Sal, I think it's Saul. But uh, I Rosin, do you like using strategy guides? I'm torn because I want the best endings, the full stories, but using them makes me feel like I am missing the surprises that the story offers. Um, depends on the game. Sometimes, like, I don't really give a shit. Uh, like, I used a spoiler-free walkthrough for, like, a lot of 999 just because I probably wouldn't have cared enough to beat that game otherwise, um, and get the true ending at least. But, like, I'm not against it on principle, but, like, I will always, like, default try without just because... Not gonna lie, like, it's kind of annoying to, like, look back and forth from, like, one screen to back to the game and be like, oh, am I doing the thing right, so... Um, personally, I don't like using them at all. Uh, I kind of want to get the experience. So the way I view strategy guides is like, hey, your game should be beatable with that one. Like, if I feel like I'm at a point where I enjoy your game more with a strategy guide or I won't continue it with this without a strategy guide, then you kind of fucked up and maybe I should play something else. I agree um, with that to an extent. That being said, there there are games where it's like, hey, I've been stuck for hours and I do enjoy this game, but this one bit sucks. At that point, I'll probably look it up. But I don't ever, I don't ever want to play through a game with a guide by my side because that's just not really fun for me. And I feel like too, like, you know, I really hate how like hint systems have and this is partially because of Nintendo, have become this hated thing. Because I think in a lot of games, like, it is very possible to have, like, a hint system that after you get to a point where it's like, man, fuck it, I'm just gonna use a guide to be like, hey, here's a push in the right direction. And, like, a really well-timed hint can be super helpful and add a lot to the experience, but just a lot of games don't do it right. Like, they either coat it on too thick and treat you like you're an idiot, or, like, there's just none at all and, like, you're kind of screwed on your own. Um... But yeah, I, I think I think in general, like, guides are nice if, you, like, you really feel like you need one, but I, I feel like, I don't know, it, it's weird with games, too, because it's like, you don't need, like, a guide for, like, a book or a movie or, you know, like, things like that. Well, I mean, depending on the movie, some of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, it, it, yeah, it, it's really one of those things where it's, uh, it's a very unique problem, kind of. Uh, but I think in general, stances like, hey, try it without, if maybe you need to just say fuck it and go on game if they for a thing, then whatever, who cares. And I mean, as far as getting like the best ending your first time through, I mean, I, I kind of feel like personally, I would rather get my ending, like, and if that's not the best ending, then so be it. And if the game is good enough, then I'll play it a second time and get the best ending. Yeah. See, uh... I'm I'm very non-caring about spoilers. I think most people know by now. I, I will actually generally, if I see a game has multiple endings, I'll do my best to not, like, super-duper just spoil everything, but, like, I'll, I'll generally just look for how to get the true ending right away if I can. Uh, unless it is a thing where, like, going in blind is supposed to be a significant part. Because I do feel like there's actually... This is actually a complaint I have with games with multiple endings. 
Um, I really don't have the time for games that are like, oh, just play through it blind, but really only one of these endings matter to the overall experience, and these other endings are just kind of fluff. Uh, but that being said, if you make a game with multiple endings, and those endings are actually all worthwhile, even if one is the true ending, that that's super good, and I, I think that's valuable to go in not knowing. But for games where it's like, oh, just, like, I think the one that I think is just the worst with this is Persona 4. There's no reason to not play through that game and just do the true end. I like, mean, I don't even really view any of the other endings as proper endings. I view them all as game over states. I do too, a little bit. Like they're they don't provide like satisfactory closure, except for like the one where like the second to best one, and even then it's like even then it's like hey, you you finish the game. But good you job, didn't... you missed the final dungeon, loser. <laughs> like yeah, you you fucked it up. Yeah. We have one more email. Thanks, Saul. Or Sal. Salamander. Alright. Um, this one is from Lodo. And he says, Hello, Rosin. Hello, Zach. Hello, guest. If one is on, it's me, Lodo. Hi, Lodo. Hello. I just wanted to ask your guys' opinion on how TMS came to be. I remember when it was first announced, I just got into Megaton and was hyped for it. Years later, when it returned as what it is today, I was a Fire Emblem fan at that point, and my interest was unchanged, and despite all its changes, I adored the game. It's PS2 Mega 10 with some FE sprinkled on. I can tell both Atlas and uh, Intelligence Systems, yeah, that's that's what they're called, um, put their soul into the game. Anyway, I hope you guys have a nice day. IS is Intelligence Systems, right? I'm not yeah, sure. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, it something is. Something like that. Something like that. I, I'm not a Fire Emblem fan yet, so it's okay if I don't know it. Well, I mean, you're 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 playing the best one right now that's ever sure. existed. Oh my! Uh, so, before we answer the question, I've got so, I've got a a few friends that are super into Fire Emblem, and man, do they hate whatever I'm talking about. Well, I'm playing Fire Emblem right now. I know all about who Krom is. Yep, that's <laughs> they great. love it so much. <laughs> that's great. Um. Hey, to be fair, I know multiple people that would say that this crom is better than the crom that's in Awakening, so... Um... Hey. Um... Um, let's see. Uh, how do you, we think TMS came to be? Uh... I think they just honestly wanted to try something new. I don't, I well, don't know. I think, like... So... It's very well-documented and well-known that, like when they announced this game and they showed that initial teaser, they hadn't really got it. They didn't have any ideas set in stone yet. Yeah. They kind of just showed artwork of SMT characters and Fire Emblem characters, and I think the original intent was to have, like, an actual crossover with those characters. And then they got, like, into the planning stages and decided that they just weren't really feeling that, and they wanted to take the ideas of the series and make something entirely new with it. Um, I think that's a very valid decision because one of the main things is like, if a if a developer isn't feeling the product they're going to make, it's gonna show. So like, hey, I would have loved to actually see that crossover. You know, I was excited for it, and I was excited to get my friends into potentially Megaton through it, but that didn't turn out. And honestly, if they had forced themselves to make it, it probably wouldn't have been the game we all wanted anyway. So this. Probably for the best, you know? Yo, but between Street Fighter Cross Tekken, Super Robot Wars, Chaos Wars, I, I've never heard of a video game direct crossover being bad. 
Oh. Yeah. They're... No, like, <laughs> that's another thing, though, honestly. It's like, a lot of times, I think direct crossovers actually do not turn out. You know, like, I, I feel like a lot of those games, you run into the thing where the appeal of the crossover itself can sometimes overshadow, hey, we need to make a good game to support all this. And I think um, Project Cross Zone 1, maybe not 2, <laughs> um, but like Project Cross Zone 1 is a very, very good uh, symbol of that, where it's like they just had all these characters and they didn't give a fuck after that. Like, that's the draw. Same with Super Robot Wars, honestly. It's like, hey, here's all your favorite characters from Mecha anime. They're all in a really shitty strategy RPG that barely works. Um, those games are bad. Um, I mean, I I feel like the the promise here would be that Atlas makes good games, so it would have been good. But the fact that they didn't make it maybe is what we need to take away from that, you know? Yeah, I I I think that that could be like a statement in and of itself. And also, honestly, at the end of the day, like this, like. If I had to choose between what we got and also, like, oh, well, like, Krom and the Demi Fiend are fighting each other, like, man, I like Subasa a lot, I like Kyria a lot, I like Toma a lot, like, all, like, this new cast of characters that we obtained from this game being something different is really great, and I like them a lot, and I'd be kind of sad that I wouldn't have them anymore, I guess, like, the the thing they made is just really good and stands on its own. And and like to an extent, like I think all the really important stuff from Megaton and Fire Emblem made its way into the game. And I know a lot of people disagree with me on that. But I do think that like it is more of a crossover than I think some people will give it credit for, at least from a gameplay standpoint. But Yeah, it, it's a crossover of ideas that lean he it's funny because like Hey, it's got characters from Fire Emblem, but when you look at that game, it's a Megaton game at its heart, you know? It, and, like, I, I find it really fascinating, too, where I love talking to people, and they're like, oh, there's not much Fire Emblem in it, or, oh, there's not much Megaton in it. And I've heard both things a lot, and I, <laughs> I, 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 always, I always just find it funny, because, like... It seems like everyone has a different opinion on whether it's, like, it seems like everyone's like, oh, it's pretty much just a Megaton game with some slight Fire Emblem stuff, or, oh, it's pretty much just a Fire Emblem with, you know, some, like, the setting of Megaton or whatever, and it's like, man, it's it's funny seeing people, like, weigh that and stuff. Uh, yep, that's that. Thanks, Lodo. Um, so on Twitter, uh, Darian asked, do you... I'll have a uh, guilty pleasure game. And I'm gonna say, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons campaign that we're doing right now, that you're in. Oh, <laughs> Darian, pay your student loans. Hey. Hey. Inside jokes. Um, guilty pleasure game. Uh, I think the theme of the day is Tokyo Mirage. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Like, <laughs> I mean, I was... like hey, we just sang this game's praises, but man, is it fucking stupid. Man, I don't want anyone I work with to know I play Tokyo Mirage sessions oh. after hey, I get home man, from work. When, when, I, when I got this game on and it's getting to like a super anime pop scene, and I hear the footsteps walking upstairs, I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Everyone judges me. Oh no, I'm just like I'm 12 again. 
Um, Let's I'm see. sure there are better answers I could give, but man, I don't think I can give any good answers for anything right now. Anything that's honestly overtly anime, I don't want to associate myself with, honestly. Which might be, sound, like, super shitty, but, like, yeah. Like, even when, like, cutscenes in, like, A Devil May Cry will play, it's like, man, this is stupid. Um, but, yeah. I just don't want anyone knowing I play video games. Yeah. Or just, like, consume media. Yeah. I, I just... I'll honestly, I, I'm, I'm surprised people haven't discovered yet that I like video games. I don't know where the fuck I'm going with this. I was gonna go into something, but I didn't do it. Do you want me to just cut that out? Yeah, sure. Okay. I don't care. YOLO. <laughs> no one's listening at this point anyways. Yo, like, honestly, after everything we've said in the past half hour of this podcast, if you were gonna cut out things that didn't go anywhere, you'd cut out the whole thing. Oh. No, this is... This is where we make our stand. This is the hill we die on. Oh, I'm starting a revolution. Bad episodes. Yeah, we are finally <laughs> I, I, diamond I, dogs, I, motherfuckers. <laughs> Some okay. may call us terrorists. Others, freedom fighters. But there's one thing we all have in common. What's that? That we're proud to be Americans. God bless you. Happy 4th of July. Stay safe. Don't blow yourself up with fireworks.